0: is no better place. It's time to talk. Do you want to the only way to get anything during Cork is to Neil Prenderville. Talk to
1: Neil that's, that's
0: a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Not just Cork people,
2: but uh, Cork buildings and Cork history and Cork nostalgia and it's sad news this morning that we're hearing that yesterday morning around about 8 o'clock the alarms were called because uh, the fire brigade had to respond to a very bad fire, devastating fire at the Unitarian Church on Princess Street. Hopefully I'll come back to that story a little later on this morning. It's from the 1700s. Um, now, the building has been saved, but internally there's been an awful lot of damage to it. It's a very old, beautiful building. Lots of most gorgeous wood panelling inside, which I would imagine are, is completely gone now. Uh, devastating news um, from the uh, city centre yesterday. Uh, no loss of life, thankfully, but still in all. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, building. Now, um, the papers this morning on Lee Side, both the Examiner and the Echo, and indeed Ralph Regal in the uh, Irish Independence this morning talk about the skeleton skeletal remains down in East Cork Uh, The Indo this morning says skeletal remains found in a roadside grave amid search for a missing man I'll talk to Ralph Regal on this in a moment so I won't won't go into a huge amount of detail at this stage Olivia Kelleher says uh, that the Gardaí were investigating um, now to see if the remains that were found uh, badly decomposed incidentally could be those of 47-year-old Kieran Quilligan Now, he disappeared without trace from the city back in September, and it's a story that I've touched on a few times since September, because they can track him with CCDV right across the city, all the way up to St. Finbar's place, and then nothing. Uh, The examiner this morning with uh, Owen English says, uh, obviously, this is a a murder probe after the body's been found in a roadway ditch in East Cork. Um, The dental records now will be required Uh, Owen English says, to help formally identify the partial skeletal remains. They were found by a guard and and a sniffer dog. And without wanting to sound disrespectful to the dead man or indeed to the family, uh, Owen English says this morning that while they have yet to comment publicly publicly on the motive for Mr Quilligan's disappearance, um, he had a heroin addiction and may have been targeted by members of a criminal gang after he uh, robbed a heroin dealer in the city, was abducted bundled into a car and driven away from the city centre so that one I will come back to in a few minutes time uh, Son also carries the story with uh, Anne Mooney on the inside pages of this morning's Sun there's a, there's a very disturbing story a very strong front page in the examiner this morning actually um, you know one of them is just awful to read these are five young children and the families of five young children and the five young children all have special needs and the families have gone to the high court now we don't know uh, the rural based school involved in this nor the children they can't be identified by media reports so I can't say at all as to where these allegations are coming from. But the allegations, now these are special needs children in a primary school, um, were made by a, a former staff member. And the allegations include that the children in the school's special autism unit were pulled and dragged countless times by two other staff members, that staff members regularly shouted in the children's faces, grabbed them by the neck and chin, Pushed them into sensory rooms by themselves forced them to complete work while very distressed Soap was rubbed over a child's mouth to stop them blowing bubbles with saliva They were directed on occasions to leave a child in wet and soiled underwear because the child should know better And they were told to shout more at the children as it was the only way they could make the children listen. Isn't that absolutely heartbreaking? Um, It's a story that makes the front of the examiner today. There there are another couple of stories actually that make um, the British newspapers... Um, both this morning and last week that are also quite disturbing i don't mean to upset anybody but this is awfully sad it's police investigating this is in the uk times this morning police are investigating the death of a baby girl who was found in a pub lavatory they believe that she had been stillborn uh, that the mother gave birth to the baby in the cubicle and the baby was stillborn was on a sunday afternoon quarter to five the horseshoe three horseshoes pubs pub in in west yorkshire they confirmed that the infant was found dead on the premises and have appealed for the mother of the baby to contact them and that's when the Times. and then when i was away there's an awfully sad story in the guardian of a two-year-old boy who died of starvation curled up clinging on to his dead father's leg it's so sad oh my god his dad kenneth battersby had a pre-existing heart condition and and his son was with him for the weekend no, so there, was, there was no sight nor sound. I think the mother was, was, was away or something or, or felt comfortable enough with the child being with, with, with dad. But a social worker visited the home on the 2nd of January, um, uh, but she got no reply. Um, and there was lots of other attempted contacts and, until eventually um, somebody managed to uh, get into the house and found father and son dead. Uh, The dad, 60 and the little lad only two years old. Apparently, when I was reading the story when I was away, uh, the poor little fellow died of malnutrition, obviously starvation and dehydration. And he was only a couple of inches short of reaching the door of the fridge. Wouldn't it just break your heart? Really and truly would. The Independent this morning talks about, um, you know, countries that uh, are now going to be deemed as safe countries by the government uh, will be expanded because we have... Uh, something in the region of uh, 3,110 people from Algeria and 709 people from Botswana and they're safe countries so from tomorrow those and a number of other countries will be deemed safe by the government which means that we won't be taking migrants from those countries um, because of the fact that they're safe countries and you can't apply for it in this country, if you're coming from a safe country. So that's the deal there. There's another one section to this, actually, where they're promising um, that people will get um, their asylum seeker decision within a 90 day period. Um, that, that's a tall order to be given from, say, for instance, government or from the public sector, I have to say, when everything else takes absolutely like forever. You look at um, people waiting for probate uh, in this country, where it could take uh, eight months, 10 months, 12 months. I don't know if you're going pr- through probate yourself and the length of time that it takes when really uh, probate should be turned around within a calendar month. There are other issues then with people wishing to uh, engage with uh, you know, civil registrations and things like that that are also taken forever. Um, There's an interesting one involving the Garda Chicana that makes, again, this is the front page of the Examiner. McClifford talks of a, a Garda station up in uh, in Carlo uh, where 100 grand worth of cannabis has gone missing so the Garda members of the station uh, are being asked to voluntarily open their lockers to see if the missing property can be located within the lockers like imagine I wouldn't know with any uncertainty but imagine that 100 grand worth of cannabis would be a fairly bulky thing wouldn't it? I mean, you wouldn't put it in. Uh, you wouldn't put it in a, in a shopping bag. Maybe, maybe you would. You know, what we were talking about yesterday was uh, issues regarding uh, taxi drivers and sadly attacks on taxi drivers, um, and then others were talking about uh, perhaps uh, that maybe some of the taxi drivers that are you know applying their trade in Ireland, leave a little to be desired? Well, there's a story that makes The Independent today that fines have been issued to drivers and that there were 1,782 complaints about taxi drivers um, in the last calendar year to the NTA. And that apparently is a record high. Now, I suppose people can always find things to complain about, right? Well, but some of them uh, involve uh, issues regarding not accepting card payment that was the biggest complaint against taxi drivers drivers refusing to accept card payments made up the majority of the complaints they only wanted cash drivers were saying that the card machine was broken and others weren't even saying that they were just saying no cash only others then were people uh, very annoyed that some taxi drivers were smoking in the vehicle and the vehicle when they got into it was stinking of cigarette smoke They weren't having any of that. Now, a lot of this resulted in fines, €100, €200, €250, things like that. One complainant, though, alleged that the driver had his seat fully reclined for the entire journey, leaving no room for the customer's legs in the back seat. I wonder, did they actually say anything to the driver? Like, would you mind moving your seat up a bit because I've lost the feeling of my legs back here? It's a bit like getting into a taxi where the taxi driver has the radio up way too loud. I mean, you are the customer, and I would think to some extent you could be asked to say, would you move your seat up if you don't mind? Please... Would you turn the radio down, if you don't mind, please? But they're just some of the complaints. There were others on top of that. 52 complaints were about the condition, the road or the cleanliness of, of the taxi. So people having more and more to complain about. Um, we're never too far from complaining about RTE, and the front of the mirror this morning continues to dominate the rages of uh, their highest stars. And we did that yesterday. Ryan Tuberty was the highest paid. 515,000 euro, nearly just over half a million uh, from the public sector purse. The top 10 earners pocketed just under 3 million between them. But now that will change because as everybody, Tuberty's gone now, but the rest of the nine, uh, as their contracts come up for renewal, they will be capped at 250,000 euro. I mentioned that because in the front of a newspaper, but more importantly, the mail this morning talks about the 2.2 2 million euro toy show, the musical fiasco, because that's what RT lost, 2.2 2 million. But there's loads of people who were involved in Show the music. Like 26 people were involved in it. Not one of their names has been made available to the Public Accounts Committee. They all have had their names redacted, um, and that just isn't good enough. You know, you can't be hiding behind redaction when you're responsible for something that cost the state and the taxpayer two point two million. Some good news for Cork: the hotel down on Morrison's Key opens today. Sorry, opened yesterday and is open for business today. And apparently, on its first weekend, the story making the Examiner this morning says that it's fully booked out, which is fantastic. So um, that's a great one. It's the Premier Inn uh, and that's down around Morrison's Quay. 187 bedroom Premier Inn hotel with a full booking for its first weekend. And you know the different Cork businesses. A lot of the time Cork families who are just... Mm -hmm just killing it with regards to their own little businesses getting big deals with the likes of say for instance Aldi is a good example The Echo this morning talks of the Sibley Food Company they have just announced a 12 month deal worth over a million euro a year with Aldi to supply them with hunger-busting energy balls. They've got the cacao and nut butter energy balls and the classic nut butter energy balls. And they're going so well that they've rolled them out as a family above in Bally Desmond. I think that's a fantastic story and we'd love to see lots more. There are other kind of supermarkety stories making the papers. So, um, Someone at the weekend, actually, we were talking about, about checkouts in supermarkets yesterday, remember, and the self-serve ones and, and what have you. Um, I used one of them yesterday now down in Dunn's, and for some stupid reason, the bag that it was using to put everything into set off some sort of an alarm and shut down the entire self-service checkout and then I had to go and find a staff member to unlock it. You feel like a criminal... I say to myself, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. But there's a Dutch supermarket now that has introduced slow checkouts for lonely, elderly people who want someone to talk to. Would you believe that the move has proven so successful that this Dutch supermarket has installed the slow checkouts in 200 stores? They have also added a chat corner where locals could meet for a cup of coffee and a chat. I think that is a very positive way forward. Particularly, I mean, if you were living alone and one or two of your only visits or chores of the week was to do a bit of shopping and you really didn't see a whole lot of people in your life and you found that there was no, um, you know, checkouts anymore and everything was, you know, self-checkout, wouldn't you be very lonely? Wouldn't you feel very ostracized? So I think it's a lovely thing and the papers carry it uh, from last weekend. Uh, more more a little later on. Hopefully it'll be today if not certainly by Thursday because Thursday is St. Bridget's Day, isn't it? Um, and uh, the papers are talking over the last few days about a piece of her skull that has now been sent back from Lisbon to be reunited with the other body parts. I wish to God the uh, British would give us back some of the things that they own <coughs> belong to us as well. But... I, I see in the papers this morning that Saint Bridget's Day is the day when you should officially start spring cleaning. Um, so, what, what, what do they mean when they say spring cleaning? Well, this morning the mirror tells us exactly what we all should be doing from Thursday onwards: vacuum cleaning. Are they, are they suggesting that nobody vacuum cleans until uh, Saint Bridget's Day or the first day of spring or whenever it is? So, vacuum cleaning, uh, washing, washing bedding, washing duvets, tackling the kitchen. Um, cleaning the curtains, um, neglected spots that you complete ignoring or might be, might be under uh, under the furniture, you know, pulling off the cushions on the sofa, dusting the walls, who dusts walls i mean who 's got enough time in their life to go on dusting the walls, a deep clean of the kitchen, a deep clean of the bedroom, cleaning all of your radiators, mother of God. <laughs> better things to be doing than washing the radiators. Cleaning out the fridge. Don't even start with the fridge. My God, it's a foreign country, isn't it? Um, and checking on all of the lights. I mean, you check on the lights by switching on. If they work, they're fine. If they don't, they're not. But anyway, I just pass it on for what it's worth. Well. And I love this final one. Making the Times UK this morning. Apparently music colleges and, um, well, anyone that's teaching music academically by all accounts, are discouraging women and girls from playing the drums or the trumpet because they're too masculine. <laughs> so we did a little bit of research this morning. that's insane. Female students were uh, being told, you know, stay away from drums and stay away from and um, you know maybe trumpets or saxophones and things like that because they're too ma- t- too masculine. But we were to work out famous female drummers there has been an awful lot of them, clearly not as many as men. The Bangles had a female drummer. I believe Robert Palmer's band had two female drummers. The Go-Go's had a female drummer. Karen Carpenter was a female drummer. Sheila E. Uh, a Prince and the Prince band. And also, she also had some independent hits herself. She was a, She's a drummer. Uh, Meg from the White Stripes a drummer. Um, and Caroline Car- Car- Corr, I should say, from the Corrs is a drummer. So they certainly didn't listen to the guidance that Don't play the drums. It's too masculine.
3: Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106.
2: The Neil
0: Prenderville Show on Red
2: FM. Uh, The last sighting um, that we know of, of um, uh, a man who disappeared back in September. Uh, by the name of uh, Kieran Quilligan, he was 47 years old, was back in September of last year. Uh, and since then, not sight nor sound, even though uh, the is going to have continued extensive searching. And then yesterday, a badly decomposed body was found in a roadside ditch in East Cork. Um, Ralph Regal joins me, Southern correspondent with the Irish uh, Independent. Ralph,
4: good morning. Good morning, Neil. Is this um, Mr culligan 's body? Well, we don't know. Neil, it's a simple. We have to really wait for formal identification at this point, and um, that, that may very well depend on dental records and DNA, if. Guardi are relying on DNA, it could take up to you know forty eight, possibly even seventy-two hours to confirm. At the moment what Guardi are looking at is whether this is connected to the, the the search for Mr. Quilligan. And there's a couple of reasons I think that make them look long and hard at that. Firstly, one of the searches for Mr. Quilligan took place in Little Island which is not that very far from this area just off the 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 Middleton to Whitegate road where the remains were found they were discovered at lunchtime yesterday and um, there was gardie conducting a search of an area of scrubland just off the roadway it's near a bend in the road And apparently something about roughly 60 to 80 metres from the road, there's like a a shallow gully come a ditch. And that's actually where the remains were found. Now, they were fully clothed, but obviously they've been there for some time. I'm told months rather than weeks. Um, they were quite badly decomposed and that's going to, I think, make the post-mortem examination, which is scheduled to, to get underway at Cork University Hospital today, th- that bit longer than normal. And um, the scene was sealed off. There's a major forensic and technical examination of the scene. And as I said, the remains were later transferred to Cork University Hospital, where the post-mortem will be conducted by assistant uh, state pathologist Dr Margaret Bolster um, later today. Mm, so
2: way too early to uh, even contemplate cause of death then?
4: E- yeah, I mean, essentially what the, the process will be that they will try and determine the cause of death. They will then try and determine the identity of the deceased. And that will hopefully they'll be able to do that through dental records, which mm-hmm. is a faster process. Than doing it through DNA, but they may actually require DNA as well. Um, certainly, I think the Quilligan family have obviously been very upset. They've been have been very worried um, for Kieran since he vanished on September the first last. And now they had visited the scene in Little Island where there were searches conducted last year. Those searches yielded nothing. Um, and members of the family actually did travel to East Cork again yesterday. Almost
3: be awful um, for them. yeah.
4: It, it, it's terrible. I mean, you can't even imagine what they're going through at the moment. Certainly, the, the, the guardie are doing everything they can to support them. A liaison officer has been um, in contact with the family. And I think as soon as the guardie know what they're dealing with, they'll be briefing the family. Certainly, they're looking long and hard at this in terms of a connection to the, the Quilligan investigation because really from the get-go, I think Guardi were very concerned for the safety and welfare of Mr. Quilligan. Um, he was... The scene caught on CCTV footage walking with the man from an address in Anderson's Quay through the city centre over towards Proby's Quay. September
2: 1st,
4: wasn't it? Yeah, That's right, the evening of September the 1st. And the CCTV footage shows him entering a property in that area, but it doesn't show him exiting the property. Now, it's believed that he left the property in a vehicle and Gardy, from the information that they have they're very, very concerned for his welfare and for his safety and that's why there were so many appeals for information on his whereabouts and that's why there have been so many searches of areas where they think he may have been brought to. Okay,
2: so that was September 1st from Sullivan's Quay up onto Proby's Quay near St. Finbar's Cathedral and then into St. Finbar's Place. All of this in the space of about 45-50 minutes and then nothing after that
4: no, that's correct. Now, Gardy did trace the individual that was seen on some of the CCTV footages with um, Mr. Quilligan. He certainly uh, assisted Gardy, but in terms of Um, Mr Quilligan's movements after he arrived in the Proby's Key area uh, they've not been able to confirm anything but I mean the Gardaí there's been multiple appeals for information they were trying to trace vehicles that were seen in the area they were also appealing to any taxi drivers or drivers that may have had dash cam footage that would have passed through the area at roughly the time that Gardaí believed that Mr Quilligan was in that property but but as I said from the very beginning they were very very concerned for his
5: welfare Okay on
2: English this morning in the examiner I know of you wish to comment on this at all, talks about some kind of uh, a possible motive clearly criminal. Any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, that's one of the, the, the theories that, that the Guardian are looking long and hard at, Neil. Again, they're they're being very tight-lipped about what they believe may have been involved in this. There have been a number of theories. Um, one of them was that there may have been some type of a personal issue. Uh, another issue is that it may have involved money. Um, but certainly they're, they're concerned that some individuals may have had reason to target Mr. Quilligan. And now I'm told that depending on what happens in terms of the the confirmation of the identity of the remains, Gardaí certainly have specific individuals in mind in terms of um, their investigation going forward, but really they have to take it a step at a time and the next step in this process is going to be identifying the remains that were found in East Cork yesterday and trying to confirm a, a, a cause of death. Okay.
2: Much obliged to you for taking the call. Ralph Regal, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Independent. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 We've got lots of calls, texts and comments. Actually, I want to pick up on some from yesterday as well if you don't mind.
0: Call Neil
3: now. 0818
0: 104 106. The Neil Prenderville
2: Show on Red FM. Good morning. All spoke yesterday about the fact that they're bringing back Woolworths in the UK I was asking you guys if you had an opportunity with a magic wand to bring back any cork store or shop from yesteryear what would it be lovely selection here the shilling stores and Thompson's cakes this is a great text actually that was sent yesterday morning from Olivia who was listening to me on the funicular going up to Montserrat in Barcelona with our friend Kay and listening to me with earpods. Great text. I would bring back Roach's stores, everything in one shop and fantastic staff, says May and Glasheen. Uh, Cuthbert's Sweet Shop on Winthrop Street or Woolworth's on Patrick Street, says Finbar in Glanmire. Uh, one or two more here include um, planes, sorry, boats, planes and trains toy store on Princess Street. Great memories there down through the years. Joe Max in the Queen's Castle. Any door you went in of the Queen's Castle you would get the waft of the donuts being deep fried. Or else planes, trains and automobiles. Um, Actually, I think that's the same one as the one above from two different people. The toy shop was a Pandora's box of toys and uh, made up train sets and a brilliant place with fabulous toys. We spoke yesterday of Football Crazy, that great little, little gem of a shop on Academy Street. Loads for Rocha Stores And the cafe, they also had the best coffee teasers in Douglas plus the farmhouse and Duggan's bakeries. See how an awful lot of it has to do with um, food memories. I love that. I mean, one or two other food memories possibly would have been anybody remember Rockies uh, on, uh, was it, uh, Upper Cook Street there, just next to the old entrance to Victoria Tell and Coco's. Great burgers in there. Used to open uh, and stay open very, very late. Uh, had its own little radio station there as well inside in Rockies. Halpin's would be another one. Um, I'd love if you need a bookshop on Oliver Plunkett Street, Ken back. Talk about the art of conversation. John Coffey was the master. A terrific guy with a wealth of stories and info on Cork, its characters, musics, film and books. I hope John is out there doing great. We all miss you, John. All the best, says Jess. Yes, he is one of the loveliest men you'd ever meet. I would often call in there just for a chat and a browse through the vinyl. Boy, he knew his city and still does. I hope he's hail and hearty, uh, John Coffey. Uh, one or two more here. Welcome back. I hope you had a lovely break. We didn't miss you at all because because Mick was just great. I'd love to see Woolworths back on Patrick Street. It was the highlight of our trip coming up from West Cork if you were lucky enough to be taken up to the city. So keep, them, keep those coming. Text 0868 If there was any business that you could bring back, what would it be? From yesterday morning's programme, and we shared the video footage from Evergreen Road in Turner's Cross yesterday morning on the air, this lunatic driver driving dangerously uh, overtook... Um, by Creastree Street Primary School uh, a motor, somebody on a, uh, a push bike um, overtook cars nearly killed the person on the bike drove on nearly killed a second person on the bike and then subsequently drove at very high speed right through a red light where a van had to take um, um, uh, a precautionary uh, manoeuvre to get out of the way so um, we were talking yesterday uh, with regards to some people who sighted the car as it was driving along. Um, this morning I can tell you that it's actually Emer's car, a first year nutritional science student at UCC. Her first car as well, I believe. Emer, good morning.
6: Good morning, how are you? I'm yeah.
2: grand. So that's your Toyota Yaris with your end plates on it, driven by some lunatic who stole it, right? Yes, yeah, yeah,
6: that's mine. Um, i was come down from college there even and I parked up there in Douglas, and um, I'd say it was middle of the night there, about between two and three o'clock, that um, it was stolen and yeah, gone off the car. Woke up the next morning to about nine o'clock. I was going out the door for college. You know, I drive in and out, yeah, and um, car was gone. You know, just in shock, like you know. How did they get it, in? How
2: do they get guess. in? How did they get into it? How do they? Did they get some kind of a fob or something or what?
6: When well, the car was open, and however they took off and whatever, I don't know. So you know. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, I know. They just
2: they literally sometimes just go around checking car doors.
6: Yes, yeah, yeah, but um, you yeah, know it's 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 hard to believe, but <sighs> but yeah, look, they, they got onto the guard straight away, so so they're on it now, thankfully.
2: Okay, so what did you make of the video footage yesterday when you saw the driving uh, up around oh. um, Turnus Cross?
6: Yeah, look, it's it's shocking, to be honest, Such a shocking to see that going on. You know, it's very dangerous, you know, it's going to cause two, three serious accidents there. So, yeah, look, hopefully hopefully the guards will, will try and to patch it out anyway. Has it been
2: spotted in other places besides that video footage, one around Turner's Cross Evergreen Road?
6: Um, A few people have been saying possibly Grange and then the middle of the night, uh, Sunday night, they were out in Carrigaline as well trying to, you know, they were going around to people's cars and driveways and
2: whatnot, so yeah. Oh my god, it's just, it's just so annoying for you, because you probably saved hard, is your first car? 141W, yeah. yeah? Yeah, first, yeah, yeah,
6: that's
2: it. Yeah, what did you pay? You must have paid like five, six grand for it? Yeah,
6: yeah, about that, yeah, so.
2: What, what, how are you fixed for insurance? Probably everything on hold now, because the car hasn't been found, is that the case?
6: Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure yet. Now we'll, we'll have to look into it a bit more, you know. So, time will tell, yeah.
2: Okay. So, the search continues for it. Do you mind if we give out the Reg, if you don't mind?
6: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's... if anyone sees it, I mean, get onto the guards and they'll, they'll try to try it, you
2: know. All right, okay. So, it's a red Toyota Yaris with your end plate So, did you recently pass your test and everything, in fairness to you?
6: Yeah, I'm almost two years now, so...
2: I know, it's just it's people, have yeah, just they just yeah. don't realise the, the devastation they cause for people. So it's a red Toyota Yaris 141W 1179 uh, with an end plate yeah. in the back window. You'd never know who might be listening. Um, hopefully, hopefully it hasn't been crashed or, or burnt out. Fingers crossed for you, Emer, all right? Yeah, yeah,
6: hopefully. And you know, look, some people have been great, you know, they've been very kind about it all. Um, you know, one guy was the the Milan School of Driving. You know, he had dashcam footage. He was on the air oh, you know, yesterday morning.
2: That. Yeah, that's how I heard about it. Yes. He captured it all. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. So that was that was great. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. But can you can you get a car in the meantime or anything? Does your insurance company cover anything like that? No.
6: Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. We'll have to have to look into it now. Yeah.
2: Forgive me for asking this question, but will the insurance company cause a bit of grief because the car was unlocked? Do you think?
6: Um, listen, I'm, I'm not too sure now. I'm not too sure time. either. You know, I know. I know, it's just early days, yeah. So, the best
2: thing would yeah. be that you get it back in perfect condition, you know what I mean? That would be the perfect way. Yeah, all right. yeah. Okay.
6: So, hopefully, yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, Emer. listen, yeah. um, thanks so much. Let's see what happens. It's a red Toyota Yaris 141W 1179. Thanks for taking the call. We may be in touch, all right? Yeah,
6: thanks very much. Cheers, Thank take you. care
2: of You know, a young student, first year college, saved up, probably took out a loan for it. And then some idiot decides, "Oh, I'll have that." And then, you know, I mean, if you saw the video footage it's up on our Twitter page, you'll, you'll see for yourself how many times a very serious accident was avoided yesterday. Well, not an accident actually, because accidents are completely different. This is reckless driving. This is dangerous driving off the charts. Maria, good morning.
7: Good morning, Niall. Okay, good morning, Okay, so
2: talk to me about Sunday four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, what happened? Uh,
7: Sunday for a. 4 p.m. It was very bright outside. Um, it was very quiet on our estate. Actually, always it's quiet in there. And, um, um, and, and I,
2: I'm not I'm not going to identify the estate, but it certainly is an estate somewhere down in East Cork. Okay, go ahead.
7: It is, yeah, it is, and it's a very quiet area and it's a small one. And um, yeah, we. Uh, we were surprised as, um, as a teenager, I'd say, as the size of his um, uh, I walked in our um, front door and just to try uh, to uh, steal another car. I guess. Oh, hold on a second, as I'm not quite following
2: uh, you. Four o'clock in the afternoon, your car is parked in your driveway. Some young fellow walks absolutely. up the driveway. Is it?
7: Yes, he walks up because we we catch that video on our cameras. So he's walking, and he looks like he has something uh, hiding. Then, less than one uh, one minute, he uh, managed to broke the small window. Uh, we also have a Toyota ours, and uh, uh, it's surprising because the the window from the um, from the living room is facing um, our driveway, so. Uh, my son noticed some noise, so he opened uh, the curtains, and uh, and then he uh, managed to run away. And when my husband just went outside after them, he jumped in a red car and um, Mitsubishi, I will guess, or and a small really car and there was full of teenager and drove very, very, very fast okay.
2: and okay. very dangerous. Okay. So there is a chance that that red car that your man got out of to try and rob your car was Emer's car that had been stolen, the Toyota Yaris. I because
6: know, hers was yeah, stolen I at
2: half past two the same afternoon.
7: Yeah, I don't know because... um, No, I'm just, I'm only suggesting, I I don't
2: don't know for sure, I'm just suggesting.
7: It can be, it can be the same group of people, it can be some similarity, I don't know. Looks like, uh, looks like they're working around, so, and um, yeah, I I would suggest uh, to everybody to be careful, and uh, because uh, luckily we were home, and uh, we we managed to... uh, to save our car, but the the, the, wind, the window were damaged, so it was well, replaced. It's, replace
2: it's very brazen in broad daylight, you know, four o'clock on a Sunday it afternoon, is? you know, two cars it in the driveway. Is? So, knowing that people are in the house.
7: Yes, actually that's surprising and that's scary because um, because it uh, uh, didn't provoke any noise. Uh, I don't know what tool he used it, but he did manage to broke the small window with no noise. The only noise was when he opened the door he actually managed to open the door and uh, I don't know what uh, was the next step um, as thankfully my son thought uh, it's some kids uh, looking to call him outside so he just um, he took off the, the curtains so he spot him and then he ran away. And
2: you tell me did you see the teenagers? Uh,
7: I didn't I saw through the, food, uh, through the cameras. And how old like, do you uh, think they were? I will guess um, uh, less than 18. Okay, okay. And uh, looks, yeah, 17, 19. Dressed very well, um, wearing the Nike. I guess they have, you know, family and parents, and I would like to uh, also. To increase their aware of the parents so when the kids coming back, uh, just ask, it, give the questions where they went, what they did. Yeah, but you you might
2: be asking those questions at two in the morning, but you're hardly going to be asking an eight, 17 or eighteen year old where were you at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. But
7: to... I don't, I don't know because it looks like you know I don't, well that's because I also am a mom and I you know You'd you want to know where you your kids know. are. 24
2: seven, I know, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, listen, so thanks so quite, much. It's
7: quite scary. Yeah, yeah. it's quite scary. We have to be very careful and yeah please do check the cars because you know okay,
2: okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to know how they're actually jump in there Kevin because you have another one from a Q Park where they brazenly store a car from a car park but I'm curious as to how they start them do they hotwire them
8: yeah I'm um, <clears throat> just looking at this now because it was only just because um, Maria there was talking about the small the red, red car, car. Another, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is another small red car um, a Mitsubishi and the Reg is 132C6105 that's also missing um, and this is actually a case where they broke into Carl's Key the Q park in Carol's Quay um, in Blackpool and um, managed to, despite the fact that it was a secure and shuttered car park, break into the car park, Hotwire the or get the they don't say exactly how they manage to to drive the car but like I, I presume hot wiring is the only way it can be done and a lot of these Japanese this uh, Mitsubishi it, we're hearing that a lot of these Japanese imports are very easily they don't have a mobile they don't have mobilizers and their alarms are very easily disact disactivated and that makes it a lot easier for these guys to go in and do what they do so. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's um, certainly like when you look at the driving, I mean it was even something that I had said to you yesterday when we saw that video from Darren First was that that drive, that car's been driven like it's been stolen and I wasn't very surprised last night when I heard that the car had been stolen because there's no no sane person in their right mind would but like you don't know I mean but clearly this
2: this was um, a robbed car driven by a So, but the Q Park one Carol's Key just off the keys, directly across from the Opera House this was Saturday evening the young driver had parked in the multi-storey just two hours before came back to find that his car was robbed again hard work and family young son who's a car was just robbed.
8: How did they get out? I that I, I, I have absolutely no idea. Like, do they? <laughs> I suppose is it worth Does their while? Paying? Yeah, I suppose if the if the ticket is left in the car, they could probably use that to get out of the um the car. <clears throat> Apologies, excuse me. They could use that to try and get out through the barrier if somebody left their parking. You know, oftentimes if you if you are paying for a parking, you leave the ticket in the car, come back to the car, and then go to the pay machine. Yeah, but I, I don't know is is the, is, it, is there some sort of contactless system in there that you can you can just scan out? I I don't know. I, I've never. I don't think I've ever used that that car park. It could it stands, be you could possibly scan out with a debit card. Maybe a debit card, right. but I, like I was looking at, we were walking down the Douglas Road yesterday evening, um, right outside Reeveswood, actually, and there were two. Cars racing each other Down This was a road. road Down the Douglas Road, yeah. road 8 o'clock in the Evening, yeah. literally two, two abreast, one driving into Hong Kong. Anything traffic. could happen.
2: There could be a cyclist there. there could be somebody on a. On a there could be somebody on a moped. There could be somebody on an e scooter. But that's,
8: like, there was two of us there with the dog, and I thought that you're
2: like, on the if, footpath. If,
8: yeah, if either of them had touched off each other, one of them would spear off, and we'd be into the wall in Reeswood and you'd be hearing us about us in the paper in the morning. You no, know, okay. it's just yeah. it's right. crazy.
2: Now we talk to finn good morning. Thanks for holding Finbar Morning to you. Good morning. Ian. How are you? Okay. So half past
9: seven what? last night. What happened? Half past seven. I'm I'm in um, Headerview there in Kenmare, and we had a, a van driver. I'd say the man must have been on something because he came down our park. It was fairly dark now. I dropped my young with a, to soccer training with Riverstone FC, and I came back about half for seven. So I came back about quarter past twenty past seven, and my daughter was playing hurling on the road, and uh, he came down on the footpath at a fairly high speed. with there's plenty of kids playing in the park. Nice quiet park, but kids are out playing hurling they're playing football playing soccer in the green and so forth
2: like what's he um, driving now like uh, a small car or something dri- no this is a, a delivery driver van a van ok delivery so, driver so, ok yeah a delivery driver driving I'm like, I'm, at I'm speed
9: at speed in a park on the footpath So, uh, on the footpath down on the footpath so I had I, I just got out of my car and I I um, I have the house next door to my own as well that rented out so I parked my other car my wife parks my own driver. And I parked in the house next door. So I walked from my car into my own driveway. And I was actually on my phone. And my daughter was playing in the driveway. And I uh, was in an office. And he tried to turn in my driveway. And he put down the window and he looked back at me. And he said, I just need to turn there. And I said, sorry, you can't. My daughter's playing. And you're also you're also trespassing. Please turn. There's a bit of a bay area down the end of the park where you can actually swing. And turn and come back up. Did you say anything so about his speeding started? incidentally? No, I, I, I hadn't time because I, I was, as, as I say, Neil, I was kind of stuck in the moment. Okay, him, you all know? right, go I, ahead. So you said so, no.
2: What did he do next? So
9: Then he put down the window and I I don't know what language he, he gave me, but he sat on the floor and he gave me his middle finger because I wouldn't let him turn on my driveway because my daughter was playing. So he turned at speed and he, he drove across the top of my driveway into the park, into into my, na- my neighbor's park, across the garden. Across the garden? Uh, across my, at the top of my garden. No, he didn't do any damage. But with speed, he was like, OK, I'll get the hell out of here and I'll go into the house next door. where they, they hadn't returned home yet from work.
2: But I, so I, have, I have a photograph here of tyre marks destroying a substantial green area.
9: Yeah, I, I, that was early, in the, early last year or, or late last year. I heard about that. I was planning But this guy anyway, he, with, with anger, gave me a middle finger and spat on the ground after putting down on the window. Then he took off at high speed and he tipped the car across the road. What? Wow, he hit the car? He tipped the car. He tipped the corner of the car, the bumper, reversed back on me. Right. I it, it, Like it is half a seven going on half a seven. So it's fairly dark. And then spun out of the park with speed, with anger and speed like there's kids playing so like that America, guy that really. guy
2: shouldn't be working for a delivery company at all yeah
9: like your, 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 your co-worker there has held me back from um, uh, um announcing who they are I know who they are how do you know, I know I, because their their name was on the van and I know the vans I know the vans
2: all right. do you have <laughs> like a photograph I, I, of the van
9: I didn't... With fright and anger and I froze, I didn't get a chance. But I do have the registration. I partially have the registration. I'm actually looking at one. I'm up in Mayfield Business Park there now, right? This is where I walk and their vans are... Some of their vans are across the road from me. But if I check their vans and it's not those particular couple of vans... Now, I'm in the hygiene business and we have our own delivery guys on the road with our own vans and we, we always tell them to be polite, drop what you have to drop to be at a bar, a restaurant, a hotel... County Council. That's what we do. We're in oh, and, I, know, and I and I, and I. am glad to hear that, they and I also appreciate
2: that denies, a lot of these drivers, drivers, they're on the yeah. clock, right? Aren't they? They're, they're it's the almost clock. like time in motion. They have to do x amount of deliveries, and their wages are probably based. I hope that a delivery driver will contact me and tell me how this works. But the company, this this very well known, very well known international company. Did you yeah, contact yeah, them? Yeah. I'm.
9: I'm trying to, at the moment. They're up. They're up in Carthusians. Are up in the airport, is Park. Um, their phone lines are, are they're not answering or it's, it's off at the moment but I, I will be I will be pursuing it I will be pursuing it I'm not letting this go and I'm hoping your co-worker there will get back to me with some sort of information on this guy because I'm coming at it from the point of view that there was kids in the park.
2: Well, I, we'd be very interested in also making a call, if you do, and also making a call and identifying, yeah. you know, the, the, the estate which we know, the time the children playing, yeah. the spitting, yeah. the giving you the middle finger, the clipping off a car, the speeding into an estate where children are playing, and to see what this company have to say by response. It's, it's
9: absolute madness. I mean, it, it, I, I was... I, I I was stuck. I didn't I like if I if my daughter wasn't there I, I, I'd I'd have lost a rag with them, I'd have I'd have hauled him out of the van or something. Because there's there's not just my daughter, there's other people that have small kids on the park like any park. It's a nice quiet park where the, the kids play a lot of hurling we're, we're all related to South okay. and GA Club in Riverstone. So this is just it, this just is madness. It's not on Okay. I, as you said, they're on the clock, Neil, but I mean are oh, rushing to go off A to B to C. But like at that old evening when it's dark you, you really have to use a bit of common
2: I, I, I appreciate that, and 100% agree with you. but, but You know, parking the human aspect of this, uh, a car was also damaged, and the driver drove he, off. He
9: kept. I, I, I'm not sure if damaged, but like I know, I could hear the bumper. He, hit, he, he spun up to the bumper at speed to get away, and then, like as he was driving forward, he was looking back at me to give out and give me the finger. And then not realising that there was a car in front of them parked. just okay. thought okay. that came back and spun out the of the car, out of the, par- out right. the park at okay. speed. It's All not right. on. It's not uh, on. Let me
2: give you back to the last this so we can get the reg and everything and any details that we okay. might need because this guy okay. needs to be taught a lesson and uh, maybe um, a lesson in cop on. So I'll be back to you throughout the course of the morning. Hopefully, Finbar. All right. Cheers okay, for now. Okay, I appreciate that. All, All right, pal. Again. Text 0868104106. In defence of delivery drivers, I'd like to hear from you guys with regards to you know how difficult it is getting from A to B. The amount of deliveries. I appreciate at all of that and Christmas time probably a crazy crazy time but still in all you know you don't want to be thinking that it's okay to be speeding around and behaving like that because you've got too many parcels to deliver and not bearing in mind that there also is the possibility of an accident or someone being hurt and killed now we have reports of a car crash just outside the tunnel heading west this morning apparently a car spun out in front of a lorry uh, both lanes are now blocked, and the drivers uh, have to drive on the hard shoulder to get through. So bear that in mind. It's a crash this morning where a car spun out in front of an lorry. I imagine there must have been contact at some stage between the two. Back after ten. Text 0868 104
0: 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.
2: Certainly do pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Um, a lot of text coming in then on uh, stolen cars, robbed cars, and. Uh, also, I have to say, on delivery drivers and whatever. Let me get straight back to the phone lines, if you don't mind. Tracy's on line one. Tracy, good morning. Now... Good morning. Um, thank you. You're calling on behalf of your cousin Richard uh, in reference to the car, Richard's car, that was stolen. He parked it in the Cube Park on Carol's Quay. At, we- at the weekend, was it? Yeah, um,
1: Saturday, about six o'clock. Okay. He parked it and went over shopping. <clears throat> So and, he, co- uh, he comes
2: back anyway, and the car is gone.
1: Yeah, he thinks that just before he came back, um, about eight o'clock, that it just kind of happened before that because they were after asking about the CCTV in the queue park and there. Who was they after asking pop-
2: about that? Do you mind me saying?
1: But, sorry, Richard went down to the um, the car park and asked about the uh, the footage to see what time and I think that just before he got to the car park they were after taking the car How did they so get into it? it
2: it's a Japanese import so there's no immobil- they, that's what they're interested in the, the immobilisers aren't in those ones but anyway how did they get in?
1: Oh, I'd say they broke into it do you know what this is not the first time it's happened to Richard his car got broken into outside his house a couple of months ago so this is actually like the second time it's after happening to How it. did he get it
2: back um, a couple of months ago what happened then?
1: They just broke into it looking for stuff out of it I'd say but they didn't take it.
2: Okay, so he got it fixed anyway from the damage of that. Yeah?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, How did they so how did they get out of the car
1: park? Well, they seem to think that when they went up to the barrier that they kind of rammed the barrier a bit and up it went. So like they didn't break it or anything but there was no security man right inside the car um, by the barrier. So he thinks that whatever way he went up, they went up against it it just lifted and off they went
2: Saturday evening he left it there at 6, came back at 8 car gone, went to look at the video footage would suggest that they started it whatever way they do, probably hot wire them no immobiliser, drove it down nudged or banged off the barrier, it automatically goes up when you do that and drove off any sight of it since?
1: Oh yeah, there has been a few sightings. Um, I have put it all over Facebook and things and people have been good to message and things. So it was seen out in Muck, um I got a message on Sunday to say that they the car, my cousin's car, they drove up, tried to rob another car and the person saw him outside and ended up coming out and scared him away. Um, Them neighbours were good enough to actually chase after him because they were after noticing that the car was robbed too and obviously didn't get them. so that was one time there has been seen in gone. and we were told yesterday now it was seen again in Churchfield.
2: Okay and do they describe the characters inside in it at all these different sightings?
1: No, no.
2: Age or anything? No.
1: Yeah. No, I haven't um, as I said I just got the message from someone in Rackhormack but I don't know I think there was two lads but that's all I know. Yeah, yeah.
2: What do they ultimately do with these when they're finished with them? I hazard that they burn them
10: out?
1: Well, you see, we actually, um, my husband knows someone that works in the fire and he actually asked him, did anyone, um, was there any fires Saturday night in the north side or south side? So he did check it for him and he said, no, there was okay. no cars burnt out.
2: OK, it certainly seems to me um, from the calls yesterday and this morning that... Uh, I'm not. I don't know whether this is always happening, and if it's not always happening, there certainly is a spate of robberies going on at the moment. Um, yeah. That that is that is for sure. This is a this is a Mitsubishi a Mitsubishi what? Um, I, I can't get.
1: But, but is, is it or something? Is a
2: small? Is, the, is it a small? Is it a small
6: car? Is yeah. It?
1: Yeah, 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 and it's a wine colour car yeah. because I know you had a video yesterday and people were actually messaging us saying was that it, but that was kind of a bright red colour, but that's it was it. kind of the same shape So That's, that's another one,
2: it. yeah, I've had 4 or 5 already since 11 o'clock yesterday morning His is a Mitsubishi Colt it's a Japanese import, they're very much interested in those because they're much easier to rob um, and the reg of that, do you know what it is? Yeah, I can get that
1: there it is 132
2: C six one zero five. Okay, One three two six one three three C six one zero five. It's a red Mitsubishi Colt. You never know who might be listening, Tracy. You never know how's Richard managing. He's 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 a teacher, isn't he? How's he getting to how's he getting to yeah. school? So he might
1: he managed to get another car yesterday and things. So like he's just it's a lot of hassle for him. Like you an know, an awful lot
2: of hassle. It certainly is. All right, girl. Thanks for taking the call, Tracy. Uh, regards to you and to Richard, Pamela. Good morning.
6: Morning.
2: All of these happening in the course of either Saturday or Sunday of the weekend just gone. Go ahead. What have you got?
11: Yeah. So um, it was actually Richard's car that they arrived into our place in Macarthur. You're joking. And tried me. to take our car. You're joking
2: me. How do you know that? You, you recognize the reg Yeah.
11: So what so happened? We didn't actually get the reg but we recognized the car.
2: Okay. So this car. is what. Um, so this is on Sunday lunchtime, is it?
11: Sunday at half one, yeah.
2: Okay, so Saturday night they rob it, Sunday lunchtime they're up in Rathcormack, trying to do what?
11: They broke the back passenger side window in our car and they got into the driver's seat and my husband disturbed him just as they got into the driver's seat. I oh,
2: must, must have got an office shock yeah. to see characters inside in the car. Yeah. What was he doing? He's out the back cutting timber or something, is
11: it? He was just out the back just... He just happened to be out the back just bringing in the dogs. That was it. Okay. Well, and wh- what happened next? Um, he just shouted at them over the side gate and they shouted back at him and got back into the car. They and told
2: him, they told him to F off, didn't they? They did. <laughs> How many of them? Two. Age? He thinks teenagers. Right. They have no fear, sure they don't. They're so brazen. Not at that they have all. no fear whatsoever.
11: No, especially on a Sunday when everyone's at home, they just don't care.
2: Okay. Why why were they interested in your car? It's also a Japanese import. There you go. You see the recurring theme, yeah? Yeah Unbelievable.
11: Is that the first time? The first time with this car, yeah.
2: Was the other was there another incident involving another Japanese import?
11: No, no no no. Our other two cars were broken into, but it was just just to take things out of us, that was it. What did they get? just bits of change and stuff nothing nothing major there was no damage or anything so Mickey Mouse
2: stuff yeah okay, okay. Yeah. same car I'd love to find these guys wouldn't it be great if they were caught
11: yeah but they won't be because they were completely covered they'd hoods up masks on gloves on everything
2: you're joking me masked and gloved yeah, yeah. the gloves would be to do with DNA from the interior of the car the mask would be so that they're not identifiable to anybody yeah they have, they have it well planned out don't they
11: yeah
2: unreal thanks Pamela thanks for the call appreciate it text 0868104106 I'm living in Ballanglana down Glanmire way and this is to do with delivery drivers incidentally we have been plagued with the drivers of one particular company they don't say which one they speed also into our estate they also drive down footpaths and across the green areas to get in and out quickly we had to get onto onto the developer to install red bollards to prevent this from happening here it is ridiculous so they're looking for shortcuts all of the time because they're on the clock i suppose so footpaths and green areas are a good way to get in and out faster yeah the places where people walk and children play, I get it. Call
3: Neil now. 0818
0: The Neil Brenderville Show on Red FM.
2: i have do calls in a couple of seconds. Uh, I can certainly identify the company involved in this incident out in Ballincolic. It's an Amazon van, one of the big Amazon vans, because I, I have photographs taken at the same time. The driver cutting uh, across um, the housing estate, Green space and destroying it, actually, absolutely destroying it. Getting from one place to the next, but not using the roadway, literally going across the green and leaving really deep. Uh, destroying the grass with deep, deep tire marks. Um, Amazon said, we have very high standards for delivery service providers who work with us. We'll be looking into this. Um, It would appear to be uh, more than just a one-off. Unfortunately, it seems all too common from what I'm hearing this morning. Um, You asked the question as to whether or not an insurance company will pay out if that car is burnt or crashed because it was left unlocked. The answer is they will not accept the claim if the car was not locked. Locked. The same happened to my daughter last year in Waterford. The car was a write-off, says Eilish. Uh, did you know that it's been happening in Kinsale? Last week alone, they got into over 10 cars in one estate alone. Not even sure whether locking your cars make any difference. I remember my neighbour catching a joyrider in the 90s and beating the crap out of him. The cops arrived and took the joyrider away. End of story. No claims. And never, and he never came back. People need to stand up and protect themselves. These new guardi have their hands tied. You want to be very careful about doing that. I remember dealing with a story years and years ago about a fellow who, um, gave some individual who was acting the maggot a kick up the backside, found himself in court because the family prosecuted. Be very careful. It wouldn't be putting laying hands on anybody, particularly if they're minors, because, um, it may be a bit of old fashioned, um, Uh, you know, an old-fashioned way of dealing with things, but it doesn't hold water anymore. you find yourself in court. Uh, The worst thing to do if your car is being stolen is to confront the thieves, because you just don't know what they are carrying. It could be a screwdriver, a knife, you just don't know. It's safer not to intervene and ring the guardie. Just one or two more, if it's a Japanese import, they have no immobilizers, so they are normally hot-wiring the cars. In Q Park, if you have an account, the shutter just opens when it reads your license plate and it charges you. Nice and easy for them to get out of it. Well, thank you for that. But it would appear, from what I'm hearing, that in this case of the Q Park stolen car, they just bumped up or pushed against the barrier and it lifted the japanese import cars are targeted because they don't have the same theft protection in japan because it's a minimum sentence of 10 years in jail for stealing a car in japan so nobody robs cars there and they don't need immobilizers japanese cars that are sold new here have all the relevant anti-theft protection as standard it's the second-hand cars imported that don't But they target them all because they can't tell them apart, says Eric. Uh, One final one, that man could have been nice as well to let him turn in the driveway. The delivery drivers are up against the clock. Uh, I don't think so. This is a character now who is driving at speed in the housing estate, driving on footpaths, and really was beyond rude. I don't think you'd be helping him out in any way, shape, or form. There is a car company, incidentally, called Track and & Trace, and they fit immobilisers and tracking systems. And we're on the air with us uh, before Christmas. I pass it on for what it's worth, Track & Trace. But Morgan O'Donovan from ADM Security, he the famous man that helps to get children locked out of cars, you know, out of locked cars and does it for free. Uh, he might be able to give us some um, guidelines with some information as to Japanese imports and how they actually start them. Uh, Morgan, morning. How did they get in Good first? Morning, they don't have any keys or anything. So how are they getting in?
5: Well, you see, some of these cars they can actually just uh, prise out the top of the door and pull the door handle on the inside. The, the security is different in Japan obviously enough than what it is here so the, on the European directive the, the security in the cars the European cars have a higher um, the, the handles are deadlocked on the inside so they can't be pulled so what they normally do if they're opening um, a, a stolen car they'll, or a, an import a Japanese import they'll price out the uh, door frame okay. and okay. pull the handle on the inside okay. and then so- they'll they break the ignition basically and turn the ignition on with a screwdriver how do they how do they break the ignition with a hammer you see they do an awful lot of damage do you know they'll, they'll they'll hit down on top of the ignition and prise it out so then you don't need a key to start it you'll just start it with a screwdriver so they smash so it, it so it falls off yeah, the side of the car it falls off yes and oh. they'll, turn it, they'll turn on the ignition part then with a screwdriver and off they go. And off, away they go. And when
2: all of this is happening, is there any car alarm going off or anything?
5: No, you see, it all depends on the make and model. Like some, some cars, if the door is open and it's not open with a remote, the alarm will activate. And it'll, it, the horn will beep. Whereas some of the cars, they're not set up that way. So it's actually quite, quite a silent theft.
2: Are you surprised at the amount of them That have been reported on air now In the last 24 hours
5: Yes But you see It it, it is a weakness But In fairness right There's a new directive After coming out That any cards That's being imported Will have to have an immobilizer fitted So
2: So that means the dealer Who's selling them Will have to get that done Before they sell it
5: Yes He'll have to do He'll have to have that done When When is that going to come into place it, it, it's actually it, I think it started on the 1st of January so if a car is when an immobiliser is smashing
2: yes it, it won't it won't stop them from breaking into the car yep. prizing the door open with them. a screwdriver it won't stop them from smashing the, the ignition column with a hammer it'll just stop them from starting it
5: They will stop them from starting it, and the insurance will actually uh, cover you if that's the case. Like they'll cover the damage, but then that creates another problem: is getting parts for Japanese imports. It can be quite difficult.
2: What about a sticker? Even if you do or don't, just saying immobiliser fitted. There's a chance they'll go on to the next one.
5: Well, look, if, if you if you have a sticker and if you get a red flashing LED light and place it somewhere on the front dash of the car, that'll help as well. Okay, probably cheaper to get a system you know, installed, though, do you think? It is, it is, yeah. Okay. okay. Like I... like, an average immobiliser is anywhere from 300 to 500 euros.
2: What happens generally, you're in the trade, when they're finished with the stolen yeah. car, what do they usually do?
5: They normally just leave it. Do they? They don't burn the motor or anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, like, then the car has to be recovered, uh, the guards will have to fingerprint and test it, and then it's released to the it, 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 sometimes they go to the panel readers to be straightened up so there's work you know? to be done to repair the damage there is like a person who, whose car is stolen could be without their car for two or three weeks ok so these carriages so that I'm be hearing be about at least years. some
2: of them yeah. they're teenagers right
5: yeah
2: I'm surprise you know
1: no it
5: okay. doesn't
2: they have gloves on it and doesn't. they're they're fully masked up as well oh, well you see they're prepared
5: do you know what like, like they're, they're, they're quite um, you see they, they, they have quite a good network so like they all feed each other information
2: but this all started yesterday morning on Turner's Cross, see the video we posted on Twitter, he was heading for yes. Evergreen Road this lunatic in the red car he's, he's, he's a teenager it's one of these stolen cars he could have killed at least two cyclists and ran right through a red light yeah
5: you know, someone's going to get... Uh, 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 yeah, and, like, like it, it, it will become an epidemic, if it's not an epidemic already. Of it. Yeah, well, it
2: does seem to me as if it's back again, stolen vehicles and joyriding. Uh, thank you, Morgan. Do you mind if I talk to Bat O'Leary? Yeah, just a quick, quick couple of no seconds problem. before I move thank on. You. That's Morgan O'Leary at ADM Security. Bat O'Leary uh, has O'Leary Auto Protection and Potted off back. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How okay, are you doing? So these are right? I spoke about them um, earlier, back last year, because we were talking about another spate of thefts and what have you, and, and tracing systems. Um, these are these are yeah. not in the Japanese imports. They're in all other cars, are they?
12: Yes, they've been in the European uh, spec vehicles since 1997. Um, but since um, Japanese imports are coming into the country in the last three, four, five years, Uh, many of those do not have immobilisers.
2: And is it true that they're not needed in Japan because nobody steals cars because you just go to jail for 10 years?
12: Um, Well, I can't comment on the jail part of it, but I I, I just have have this impression in Japan that they're a little bit more uh, honourable, you know, that they're not into crime as maybe as much as other parts of the world. Okay,
2: Okay. and are are, are immobilised fitters mm. like yourself and others fitting a lot of them now?
12: Yes, we fit... um, alarm systems vehicle security systems which will include an immobiliser and we fit immobilisers on their own Uh, the advantage of the vehicle security system which is a a car alarm system uh, is that if they did break the glass and attempt to take your car the car will That'll trigger the siren and the hazards in the car, and usually that's enough to that's enough d- yeah. deter them yeah. before they go and do any more damage to the vehicle. Yeah. So they,
2: they won't actually uh, they won't actually know whether there's an immobilizer before they smash the window, but the alarm
12: will go um, off at least. The yes, the, the, with the immobilizer and the the alarm system, there is uh, an indicator. It's it's a bright flashing LED. It's very visible at night time. It's typically on the pillar. or It could, it could be on the yeah. dashboard. Yeah. Um, so it's very easy to know if a car has an immobiliser. Um, it'll have a red flashing light usually on the dashboard. Have you <coughs> seen
2: Have you seen the damage done to cars by those that are robbing them?
12: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The, as Morgan was saying there, I mean, the the, the, the the first thing they'll do is they'll pull down the steering column and start hammering at, at the steering lock in order to get that out. And once they get past that, then they can start the vehicle. But they've caused a lot of damage in doing so so trying I mean, to you know, trying to
2: hammer down on the steering car how long does that take
12: I, I, I genuinely don't know but I suppose it depends on whatever techniques they're using um, but look it's the damage that's done and it's, it's, it's the people's cars that are taken and the damage done to the cars and the potential consequence of injury, injury or loss of, of life yeah. injury exactly yeah Okay. so okay. It's, a, it's a serious issue ok
2: ok so what's the cost of an immobiliser how long does it take to fit
12: so an immobilizer starts off at two hundred fifty euro, including installation. Typically, you're looking at two to three hours. Um, a full proper vehicle security system, uh, which is an alarm system and an, an immobilizer, is three hundred fifty, starting three hundred fifty. So depending on the vehicle again, these the alarm system operates from the the, the car remote locking keys. Yeah. So it's the buttons you press on the key when you lock the doors, it'll automatically switch on the vehicle security system. Yeah,
2: have you heard it's about, just, button just, just finally, I appreciate you taking the time, but have you heard people who have, have these these fobs now that bypass all that stuff, have you come across that?
12: I think what you're referring to there, Neil, is is um, keyless entry systems.
2: Yeah, like I think I think okay. BMWs, they were very attracted to BMWs for a while.
12: Yeah, yeah, they were using some, some other system there, like it's, it's a grabbing technique Um, so my advice there to to circumvent uh, that situation would be to to keep the car key uh, well away from the car at the back of the house Uh, or in a filing cabinet or something like that that the signal from the key from the car key isn't picked up at the front door you're bouncing the 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 signal from the key inside the house
2: yeah I know
12: correct correct So, so like the only way they can take a car a modern car is either to get that key So that means breaking into somebody's house maybe or whatever, or or, or trying to broadcast a signal from the key if they can get get the signal. But look, modern vehicles now are getting more sophisticated, so they're getting more security conscious as well. So, you know... uh, these things are improving. Yeah,
2: it's for for the most part, you know. Okay, so, all right. I can see the attraction to Japanese imports that don't have an immobilizer. Yeah. Thank you, Bat Bat O'Leary O'Leary Auto Protection. Uh, two hundred and fifty for the immobilizer, about an hour and a half, two hours full system, in around three hundred and fifty euro. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break.
0: The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.
2: This conversation certainly matters and I'll come back to all other calls and texts throughout the course of the morning. I'm joined in studio by Stephen Teep, an incredibly powerful man. Thank you for coming in, Stephen. Thanks for having me here, Neil. I was looking again at the entire story regarding your beautiful wife who passed away, Irene, uh, of cervical cancer. Um, and the fight that you have to get answers over the years Uh, and I was reminded by a beautiful article that you did with Barry Roach on the first anniversary of your beautiful wife's passing that you did it so that you could answer questions that Oscar and Noah would ask when
13: they were old enough to ask that's what motivated you yeah yeah it certainly was you know like when I suppose back in um, 2017 when Irene passed away uh, she was 35 but the boys were only 4 and 2 so to be trying to even explain what cancer was to boys that age, you, 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 could, you couldn't you possibly, you know. Um, and especially the youngest guy who, you know, was still in nappies and so on, you know. Um, but it was only, if we all remember when Vicky Phelan, I suppose, stood on the steps and yeah. refused the non disclosure agreement. Absolutely. And I suppose Toll shared her story to the world and she was dying at that point after being diagnosed with a terminal illness. And, um, do you know, that was actually only nine months after Irene died. So for our house it was still very, very raw and it was then that I got the call from the HSC to say that Irene was involved in all of this.
2: Okay, so let let me just walk through this just to remind us. There were two smears. 2010 2013. We call them now false negatives where in Irene's case they missed pre-cancerous cells. Then there was the test in
13: 2017 that proved to be devastating no there was no test in 2017 there was only, there was only ever two smear tests those in, ones, okay. in 2013 and both of those and I suppose this is kind of the, 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 at the core of the, the, whole, the whole scandal itself um, Irene did what you should do when it comes to screening and went for um, her to, for screen. Got, got her smear tests done, they came back clear um, call back again in three years time um Irene after our first or second boy was born um, got diagnosed with cervical cancer and it was not until the slides were reviewed after the scandal erupted um that we found out that um both slides were misread
2: so she did exactly what she was asked to do she Correct. got the test in 2010 yeah. was told come back in 3 years time did that yeah correctly correctly um assumed everything was fine so when when you found out then that all that was incorrect, had Irene passed? So yes, so Irene So she knew nothing of this.
13: This is the, and this is this I suppose this is the piece that I live with forever because you know, I've gotten to the truth of everything that happened to Irene. And one of those truths was that um, that the question she asked a number of times throughout her when she was being diagnosed and everything was, How did this happen to How me? I happen. did everything right. Yeah. And they never told her that there was an audit of your slides that is going to be ongoing. Something's changed now today. Um, that will be able to get you the answers to those questions. So they denied the system. Denied not medical professionals or the people on the ground. Like they were fantastic, but the system, the way it was designed, denied her the truth of what happened to her. It didn't. It. It was too late for her. She was. It was. The truth was never going to save her life but it would have given her the opportunity as a mum to provide for her children that's all she ever wanted was to ensure that Oscar and Noah um, have something to to, to to live with when she's not I suppose give her a bit peace of mind you know and that was taken away from her also with the whole like non-disclosure aspect of, of all of this scandal
2: and, and there was of course benchmarks that she discussed with you that she wanted to meet and one of them would have been Oscar
13: starting school that's right. So um, it was on the 14th of July uh, 2017, never forget it, that um, the consultant came to see us and said that, you know, we're stopping treatment, that the cancer is too progressive and there's nothing that uh, we can do. Um, Irene was 35 um, when that happened. And we asked the question so uh, what does this mean? How long do we have? And the best answer um, the consultant could give they don't have a crystal ball but they said look based on experience a few short weeks what? we'd hope um, you'd make it to the end of the summer so as soon as Irene heard that her, her ears uh, picked up and um, straight away milestone Oscars starting school on the 26th did she starting not primary did school not, Did you not both fall apart though with that news? God you know you it's you're left in shock, um, you know, you're, you're just you're just stunned. Um, because right up to that point, even though Irene was in and out of hospital the whole time getting treatment and came back in with infections and so on, missing treatments because of infections and everything, our frame of mind was fight. We're fighting this, we're fighting this, we're going to win. Because you can't let that door open where you, you lose, you know. And so this was the first time we're told you actually, you've or you've lost. So that morning we're in a fight mode and we're told, actually, that's done now. You've already lost. And so you're just left in silence. And, you know, there was, we kind of just, I suppose, we kind of brought down the barriers around our house and just, just I suppose, we just locked ourselves in with our kids and a lot of conversations were had then. And she was very worried about leaving you. Was very worried. For um, you, worried for you this is the thing like you know like, it's, it's, and, and I've seen it a number of times as well with um, like Vicky Phelan as well and others that you know I think when, when you kind of get this deuce that this, there's this, this inner strength that comes out and you saw was, that in her I saw that in her and to the point where the, the majority of the conversation was well, she felt sorry for me couldn't believe the day she turned around and said I actually feel really feel sorry for you being a single dad you're going to be a single dad you're going to be that title widower you know you're you're you're, you're only thirty six, you know, like that was the God, oh that God. was it. But um for us it was do you know, like it was uh, you try and do everything for Irene. Mean, um like conversations didn't get dark or anything like that, but there was the milestone of the twenty sixth of August wanting to see like her, 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 her biggest boy start praying. on the school uniform and heading yeah, out the door, and door and taking the and photograph. photograph. Yeah and but Irene didn't make it that long. She only lasted two weeks. Before she passed away. So instead, then it was, um, I had to do that on my own. All the happy families, um, Oscar, myself, and even he noticed as well, you know, that it was God, like, even though nobody, because we didn't, we hadn't, when your kids start schools, you know, you know, nobody, you know, right? You're on your own. And, and for us, like, we felt like a spotlight was on it and that everybody knew us, but you didn't, you know, but that's kind of the feeling you have and what it's supposed to be. You're still trying to do the photo at the front door with the school bag on leaving but you know, know. it's fake smiles and so on but how oh, did you explain things I mean Noah would have been way too small but Oscar must have been asking questions so the Irene passed away during the night at home and um, so the boys were asleep um, and um, she Irene got taken away early morning so by the when Oscar woke up Irene had passed away and had been taken away so you have to everything is age appropriate and for him but you one thing we had in our house was a kind of a doors open policy there was no secrets, so he knew his mum was sick Um, there were the conversations we'd brought to but you kind of have to I suppose add legs and arms and then onto that conversation where your mum's you you talk to him as you four year old look your mum's sick and unfortunately she died she won't be coming back this was an illness that she couldn't beat and so on Um, and like I'll never forget that day sitting on my lap in the kitchen telling him that story or not the story but telling him what had happened to to his mum you know Um, it was something that breaking your own child's heart like that is the most horrendously vicious thing oh my god you could do as a parent but you had to do it it was the only truth and watching his life change while while you hold him on your lap he didn't ask questions. He How got old straight was
6: he at this
2: stage,
13: four four, four. Um, A month before starting, junior infants. But you just know, you just changed his life forever, broke his heart.
2: Um, he must miss her terribly.
13: Reason. I know clearly you do, but you're, you must miss her terribly. The, um, it's it's the conversations have progressed he's over 11 He's eleven now, you know, and like grief is one of these things that changes constantly. Like it's 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 not like a cold; you'll never get over it. You but you learn to live with it. But the problem, I suppose, not the, yeah, I suppose, the slight problem. What I'm learning about having children with so so young, um, living with grief, is as they grow older and their minds develop, they kind of enter different stages of grief while they understand more. Um, so initially, their mom gone, of course, was devastating, but then as the years go, I remember the first class, I was asking, did you tell anybody or your friends or anybody about mum yet? And the answer was no because um, I don't want to upset anybody, then he does tell people, and then you start he starts noticing the world around him that he's different, but then he notices maybe one or two kids in his class, which are they've lost parents as well, so yeah, sadly, yeah, and so he notices them as well but the the emotions come and go at different levels, and they still happen today. they just happened yesterday for yeah for the old guy and um and it's all about the, the the hardest part is trying to keep the conversation going the old the youngest guy every now and then goes. I don't want to talk about it because I get upset by it. Where I'm like, well you have to talk about it?" Because not talking about it isn't an option. And um, it's okay every now and then, but we have to be able to talk about it. We can't have this closet in the corner or these skeletons, all these skeletons and stories and stuff that we can't speak about. We have to be able to keep the door open. That's the difficult part. And and
2: for you then, uh, how are you coping? Because your your romance was a beautiful story. Yeah. Fell in love. She quit college. You legged it to Australia. You did all of that. You ultimately then came back penniless, got jobs, yeah. got
13: the house. You know, planned your life. How do you how do you feel about got all? Broken, got broke again. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you speak to anybody that has uh, lost someone to any, any for any reason, um, you 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 notice that um, one thing that's in common, I suppose, with us all is that life, as you know it, stops. It ends. It's, it's like someone hits a master reset button in your world. And you essentially have to start again. Things like your diet, cooking, foods, meals, never the same again. TV shows, what what you do, how you socialise, where you go. Sometimes your friends, everything around you changes. So for me, it's about starting life again. Um, it's about living life with Irene and the boy's mother in a different way. We bring the memory with her now as opposed to the physical, you know, Irene... Um, like, what's changed massively would be uh, a number of years ago. Like, I had a really good job, a job I loved. I was in the motor trade working for um, Volvo Cars Ireland, and I, um, you know, head office in Sweden, and everything like it was a fabulous job, and I loved every second of it. Uh, but in early 2019, um threw it all away, threw it in, quit, uh, became a full time dad because it was what was needed at the time. Yes. And um, another world again, being a full time dad. Um, but you know, I suppose it's 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 bought me these precious years of my of the young lads. It's given me a lot of time with them, and they're now I suppose it's it's really kind of set the mold for them. Where now I'm, I'm reaching inner stage in my life where it's 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 time to get back to work again. You know, <laughs> and, uh, the full time parenting <laughs> It's the, the chapters we go through, but it's mad, isn't it? Because like yeah. it's now with kids as they progress through age, you know. um I just need to be now a my 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 parenting role. Besides being a presence, is a full time chauffeur mixed with a full time chef. You know <laughs>
2: that's, what, that's what parenting is. Help really me with
13: my math. Help me with my help maths. me on, with my home. On the work. way here, I'm I'm I'm, I'm dashing into Dunstores Stores because I know I forgot something for dinner that I need to cook for us. Do you know, like so. This is
2: this, 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 this. But when you <laughs> sadly, Irene has passed away, and then you 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 ultimately we all did find out that. All of the different people involved in this scandal circled the wagons and lawyered up and at some stage you discovered or were
13: told about the two missed diagnoses. Yeah. yeah. H- how did you feel about that? So, like, that was a journey and a battle that lasted four and a half years um, where you were, you there's only one avenue to figure out the truth and unfortunately you have to go down that litigation that and you did there's no other option you know and I did and it took four and a half years and it took me right to the point the date that we got in the High Court before everything came to a conclusion where all the parties involved admitted um, the two labs admitted that you know they had made a mistake on both slides admitted that it was if those mistakes were identified um, Irene's cancer or pre-cancers would have been caught and early. others besides her and there's other people's, and of course there's other people and there's hundreds living with the devastating yeah, consequences exactly, yeah, exactly hundreds living with it and um, you have to, to, to live with this but it, for me it was about always getting to the truth of what happened and it didn't matter what the truth was as long as I had the truth because telling the boys exactly what happened here was the, my only motivation. This was all it was ever about getting the truth. Y-
2: you said uh, at one stage that you were motivated by three different things. Um, one was clearly getting to the truth, uncovering the truth. Yeah. The second was identify what went wrong with the screening program. And thirdly, help those and support those bereaved individuals like your children and others like them. Irene, mm-hmm. we'd be so proud of what you've achieved. And I don't mean that in a patronizing way, you know, that uh, you, you did fight the good fight. Um, and 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 I'm just wondering what the overwhelming emotion was after
13: it all. Was it sorrow, bitterness, anger? I guess it was just anger. To be honest with you, there was nothing. There's no. There was nothing that I felt that to celebrate with regard to achieving. I think a, no, was no a win. There was no like, win. There was like no. you're, you're you're basically confirming what you already yeah, knew, which is yeah. the worst case scenario. Yeah. There's no victory in that. Um, I suppose. Do you want to what? There's an element of satisfaction, and the element of satisfaction for me was preventing those who didn't want to tell the truth um, from from not from, from from not telling the truth, so forcing them to 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 come clean, and that's where the satisfaction of it all was. So there's an element of satisfaction, but as well, the overwhelming um, emotion certainly is anger because you can't change any of it, and it's the worst case scenario, it's the worst news, and it's the news now that you know. I've had to start talking to the boys, the old my oldest chap now is eleven. You're kinda of, you're kinda of talking to him about it now.
2: And as he gets even older, he will ask more difficult questions, which forgive me for suggesting you will now be able to answer. He'll be asking, Dad, what did you
13: do when you found all this out? Exactly. And like that has happened where he has um we like a few months ago now and he was getting upset because what was thinking of his mum and he was discuss- he was he was talking about, you know, crap cancer is and why did it have to happen to her and you know like like, could she have not done anything else or could you have not done something for her and this is where I suppose there was you have the answers now I have the answers so I started to tell him um, in a, in a, again in an age appropriate way do you know like there's these things like screening that you can go to and there's I was talking about the HPV vaccine to him and mentioned that to him that you know like so like, because I, I was actually going to a thing in Dublin back in November where they announced Thing, where they announced in twenty twenty-four that the disease that his mum died from um, will be eliminated in Ireland. And that's a combination of a perfectly run screening programme which program. we've campaigned for, and also the the vaccination programme, which is telling him that, but how how did we get to that and so on and what I told him about the mistakes that happened to his to his mum. Sadly his mum had to die for it to get to that stage. Exactly, yeah. Um and he was annoyed by it but there was an element of satisfaction that I was able to ex- for him in knowing that that I actually was doing something so all these trips that I've taken to Dublin all these times we've had photographers take photographs of us as family for different articles and newspapers you've always been so available yeah yeah and, and it's all been for me it's always been part of the campaign journey raising awareness we, we were so much we wanted to do within the system I um, suppose well trying to maintain a certain profile so we could still get access to the system, within it, and so on, you know. So it was all very important. And he now actually brought that story into school and shared it with his class and his teacher, you know. And I think the punchline is like, you know, that makes people's lives um, difficult to try and get
2: the good from For, it, you know? change, for to change, change, to make change. And you continue you know? to do that. I don't know where you get the energy for this, but I, I do know of Three of Ireland's leading cancer charities, Breast mm-hmm. Cancer Ireland, Breakthrough Cancer Research, the Marie Keating Foundation they've all joined forces and you're behind this and it was never more needed because it was googling last night female breast cancer is still the most commonly diagnosed cancer colorectal prostate lung cancer and then the most common causes of death from cancer are lung cancer colorectal female breast cancer and pancreatic cancer the statistics yeah. are shocking actually you can even break it down into into deaths in Ireland every single year just under 10,000 people are lost one every three minutes in Ireland yeah. every calendar year. Isn't that shocking?
13: It's absolutely frightening. And you know, like, it's, 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 it, I, I don't know how, how these three, tree uh, charities came about to come together for this really, really important campaign, but I just think it's just fascinating. Like, the figures are when it comes to cancer in Ireland, um, like, we all know someone who. Like this is, I this this the, the the campaign is facing every up family. cancer my my Anyone? my mother yeah
2: of course ovarian cancer, a lot yeah. of people listening to this program right now will say the same thing we and we all know
13: somebody if it hasn't directly impacted our family and like you know they back they say that like up to forty two new cases of cancer diagnosed each year that's one person every fifteen minutes um and, and you mentioned when the people are passing away but with the way treatment has gone the way early detection has gone it means that more and more people are surviving cancer um, a l- number of people are living w- what you call now living with, with cancer you know and there was a figure back in 2022 where 207,000 people are currently um, surviving cancer but to survive cancer if you were to say get cancer survive cancer it doesn't mean you go back to where you were pre-cancer like a lot of people have lifelong conditions with it and require support for this and unfortunately you know the government doesn't provide the support in the HSC for those that so are living often cancer they're brought screaming and kicking to the table
2: perhaps yeah. this this is another one of those initiatives that will you know it's it's facing up to cancer And exactly, our, it, it, yeah. the, the, so the organisations with your good help to get it into the media want people
13: to take selfies and to donate to either one or all of these charities, is it? Absolutely yeah, so like these, all these charities do not get government funding, they all have to raise money within the community and so on, there's so many volunteers involved, like you you'd be just mind blown by the, the the work that goes on in the background the campaign Face Up to Cancer there's a website, E. and what you do is you just, just log on, um, probably on your phone, take a photograph and you make a donation um, and they'll send you back A picture with the the face of the cancer logo on the bottom of it. That uh, photo is going to be sent to these charities where they're going to, at the end of the four week campaign, put a mosaic together with with all these different um, photographs, these selfies. They're going to put the pictures together, which is going to look pretty cool, and um, they'll send it back to you. But they're trying to reach a a million people, get a million get a million is uh, it active uh, now has it begun now it's begun now it, the 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 website's up and running um world cancer day is the 4th of february it so is. it's it's aiming for that also um and you know like it is very important like the the research that two of these charities do are just So
5: will the, will
2: that be will that be the the 4 week campaign to take the selfie and donate what you can afford
13: it's what you can afford absolutely yeah um donate what you can um do you know there's a, there's an option to 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 put in whatever amount you want or you know, face up to cancer. Face dot up I to cancer. E. Dot i e.
2: Will you ever rest? Do you think? Do
13: you, will you ever say I have done enough? <laughs> I don't think so. Look, my boss uh, or my old boss Tony, um, when this when th- when this all happened, and I was asking for a, a bit of time out of work to um, to go to a couple of meetings, he was like, "Look, no problem at all." Um, he says to me, "Your voice is limited. Um, while you have it, use it." I'm very conscious of that like I'm always forever grateful to people like yourselves who are willing to give us these platforms to to I suppose to increase the volume in our voices but do you know my voice I'm sure my story it'll die down eventually and um but while it while it's not and while I can do some good and while do you know there's so much important money to be raised for fantastic charities like the tree we've mentioned then do you know of course I'm I'm going to keep going yeah, I wish you the well. I wish you and your
2: beautiful sons, Oscar and Noah, all the love in the world. I'm so I'm, I'm in such admiration of what you've gone through and you continue to do. And you're just a wonderful father and a terrific human being. Thanks for popping in. Today. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. <laughs> Text 868 the great Stephen Teep, back after 11.
3: Text or WhatsApp Neil now, 868
0: 104 The Neil Prendeville Show
2: on Red FM. Kind words coming in for uh, the very, very likable Stephen Teep. I send all my love uh, to this man and his kids. I'm so sorry for what happened and what the state made him and his family go through. The loss of his beautiful wife and mother, Irene, his beautiful wife is with him every day. Uh, Morning, Neil. If Vicky Phelan had signed the disclosure order you spoke about, the nation may never have known about this horrific scandal. The HSE did their utmost to cover it up. Uh, the CMO at the time, Tony Hulin, was also complicit in this, along with many others. Yet he was made a hero during COVID. We now know uh, the mistakes were also made during this period and that lives were lost. May Irene and Vicky and all of those other ladies rest in peace. Apologies, I can't come on the air, says Sean. Thank you for those texts and uh, I will read out some more of them. You can text 0868-104-106. I clearly clearly upset people from time to time. I don't mean to do it intentionally, but it does happen. Uh, An unsigned texter says, ''I listened to your show last night, the podcast, and I heard you remark on how you paid €22 for a coffee and a tea and a croissant in Dubai.'' Incidentally, I didn't pay it. My wife did. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, considering you must have about half a dozen holidays in the past 12 months, if you can afford all those holidays, and good luck to you, then you can certainly afford €22 Euro for a snack. I haven't had a holiday in a few years now because of family circumstances, and I don't really need to be hearing about yours. Thank you very much. Now, bearing in mind and and I'm sorry for your circumstances I don't know exactly what they are but I am sorry that you're in circumstances where you haven't had a holiday in a few years I do really um, um, feel for you in that regard Uh, but there were texts yesterday from people who were actually saying you know what was Thailand like how did you get on we're going there I'm heading there in March I was thinking of going there what's it like and now you've got me inclined to just shut up about it. And I had planned on talking a little bit about it, but you're clearly very upset about me bringing her up because you haven't had a holiday. So I'm thinking I just mightn't even bother. But anyway, you never know. Text 0868-104-106. I start, I'll come back to other texts of course of the morning. Um, I also caught up with uh, Chef Ryan who won um, Hell's Kitchen 22 over in America. Uh, I want to get that done, but started the program this morning telling you of a devastating devastating fire in the city center on on princess street the unitarian church i visited it once or twice it's in beautiful grounds but the interior of it is absolutely gorgeous or at least it was it was built and opened in 17 17- 17 and it got badly perhaps even destroyed by fire uh, yesterday morning and imagine those involved in the church including uh, the minister at the unitarian church a good friend of mine for many years uh, michael sullivan must be absolutely devastated he joins me by phone mike good morning
14: good morning neil um You're lucky because I have had a holiday.
2: (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad. And everybody should. Don't get me wrong. But you've gone from a holiday to a nightmare scenario. What's the damage like, Mike?
14: Um, The building itself, as in the four walls and the roof, Neil, um, are sound. Okay, they're sound. Uh, It's um, one half of the interior of... The building um, has been very, very badly damaged. As you Any
2: know. idea what caused the fire? Is it too early? I wonder. Uh, it is Nigel. It is too early.
14: Yes, yes, yes. It is too early.
2: When you when did you get the, you got the news early yesterday morning? Clearly went to the scene on getting the news. Did you?
14: Yes, I did. Um, I was at the time trying to uh negotiate the um early morning rush hour traffic which put even more stress on me. Yeah. Um and it was uh it was surreal to be honest um and if I'm honest I stood in uh, the church courtyard and uh I cried I can imagine I, I cried can imagine i did i cried
2: um you still find it difficult
14: Mike? yeah 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 have y- 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 seen, seen
2: the interior of that beautiful church in all its glory, um a lot of panelling, a lot of wood i think I think of yeah. uh, isn't there wasn't there a big uh, I'm just trying to picture it in my mind's eye some kind of balcony that went around the interior as well
14: yes um which was the um upper tier of um the church originally because when it was um um when it was built it accommodated a congregation of about 800 people so they were um in the bottom part of the building but also upstairs mm-hmm. um so, yes, yeah.
2: 1717 17, 17, 17 was when it first opened it, on Prince's Street. Is that accurate?
14: Yeah, um, the first service was actually taken on the 5th of August that year. Um, the building took over six and a half years. Um,
2: Would it be fair to say that there was very little change over the hundreds and hundreds of years that followed?
6: Um, The
14: the building has remained essentially as it was. Wow. Oh, my God. Yes. 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 Um, With a long line of ministers who have served the church in those okay years you know ah, um,
2: I know and you
14: must, you must feel a awful a history and awful. a heritage
2: yeah you must feel awful that uh, it's you're not responsible for it clearly but it's on your watch it must feel awful for you
14: yeah um, I suppose the best way to put it Neil is um, I didn't sleep a wink last night yeah I know I didn't sleep at all last night yeah you know but I I I I I, I, I I have to thank the people of Cork and across Ireland and the UK and the US. The outpouring of support um, has been humbling, really, to be honest with you, Neil. It's been humbling. Like, I've been reading the messages. I've been reading the emails and... uh, It has also brought me to tears, really, to be honest with you, reading the messages, reading the love, the support, the goodwill for... Our church and its ethos and our work has been very, very humbling. You did very,
2: Unitarian. Very humbling the Unitarian faith was it a breakaway from Presbyterianism, um, or is it Unitarian kind of encompassing
14: all faiths and none, perhaps? Um, the modern day church would be yes, yes, that, 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 that. Uh, The concept of what we call God uh, is the great unknown, really, to mankind. You know, it's the great unknown. Um, We can have our different thoughts and our different theories um, and images, but at the end of the day, the great unknown to the human race is this entity that we call God. We have conquered our planet. Um, we are exploring space. Uh, we have landed on the moon with Mars and everything else. But still, this entity, this thing that we call God, is the great mystery to mankind. It's the great great mystery
2: and if there was a time when there could have been upwards of 800 people in that relatively small enough building what, what are, mm. what's the congregation size like now
14: it's um, healthy and we're growing and we also broadcast our services on um Online, and we have many, many people watching Sunday service from around the world. Really, to be honest with you, as far as as Hong Kong, um, how will you
10: now do do? Uh,
2: How will you? Pardon me for cutting across you, but I know there's you're been a, a huge outpouring of support, as you say. But how do you hope yes. to continue? Then, do you now need to at least temporarily need to find a new place to worship?
14: Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Church and the work of church, which is always about people, um, is actually more than a building. Okay, so it's very tragic. This is very, very sad, but we have hope, we have faith, we will work hard, we have had offers, and we will be back, you know. Um, I will be actually broadcasting service this Sunday from my house online. The work of the church won't stop.
2: Well, yet, unfortunately, it won't be, it won't even with the best will in the world from insurance, it won't be possible to put it back into the beautiful interior that it was for hundreds of years. That's so sad.
14: Um, There will be... Hard work. There will be blood, sweat, and tears. There will be commitment. There will be hope. There will be faith, and we have all of those. We have all of those now, yeah. and so we much history.
2: Yeah, I was so reading Father history. Matthew. Father Matthew signed the Temperance Agreement. Um, you know, abolishing or encouraging people to give up alcohol in that church in eighteen thirty-nine.
14: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Long, so long it, it, it is laced and interwoven with the history of our wonderful city. Um, it is a part of its heritage. It's a part of its landscape. Um, the stories um, of lives of people in... Our church, you know, people got married, people grew up there, people were buried from there. Mm -hmm. Journeys were actually taken right throughout lifetimes with our church, alongside our church, you know. Like Matt will. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. yes, It's a shock, and I'm still in a state of shock.
2: To be well, honest, I appreciate you, you coming on. Morning. It's, it's yeah. still so raw. But listen, I want to wish you, and I think everybody wants to wish you the very best of luck with the comeback.
14: Well, that is really, really kind of you, Neil. You're a good bloke. We have been friends for, for many, many years. You're a good bloke.
2: You're too. Yeah. You're too. Yeah. Mind yourself, Mike. Yeah. Look after yourself. Thanks a million, Neil. Thank you. Michael Sullivan, Thanks. Minister at the Unitarian Church. Incidentally, I uh, just want a quick one because I know it's, it's early days um, and probably the interior, because of all of the wood, Probably went up like tinder very quickly. Victor Shines, the second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade. Morning, Victor. Uh, Any news as to how this could have happened,
15: or is it too early to to speculate? It's still under investigation, Neil. Um, There are no suspicious um, thoughts about it. Uh, It was an unfortunate fire that developed inside the church during the closed hours or the early hours of that morning. It was observed by um, a, a neighbour of the building as uh, just before ten minutes past eight, and uh, fire crews were uh, responded quickly, and very luckily, uh, due to the diligence of that neighbour, uh, we we're able to bring the fire under control very quickly. But there there is significant damage inside the building.
2: But there is, but a hundred percent, we need to acknowledge the work of the fire service for saving the roof and the ceiling, and also containing it that it didn't spread. It's adjacent to the English market, you know?
15: Absolutely. Um, Two rooms are significantly damaged by the fire, um, and it was going up into the ceiling space, but the crews got that um, under control very quickly and managed to contain it into a small area, but there is a significant amount of damage and a significant cost in putting the building back to its um, original state You ever inside there Victor? I was many times, um, you know, during markets or in, the, in the, the very early days when it was still at church, you know, I got the opportunity to see it. And um, again, on the morning with uh, Reverend Mike there, we uh, went through it and looked at the damage ourselves and we had a cup of coffee and reminisced over the building. And, you know, it's very sad to see, you know, his, his his work actually being affected by this now. But he's... He's a strong guy, strong character, and he'll keep driving forward. I think anybody that's ever
2: been in it, you and I both, will appreciate how beautiful the interior was and how untouched it was from the early 1700s. It really is an awful blow to a city landmark, for sure it is. So you wouldn't
15: speculate that it was electrical then. It's too early to even say that it's very difficult to say yeah. um, but the, the guards were having a quick look at it but there was no indications of uh, four centuries or breaking I know, I know you'd ruled that so out so I, know. So I know I know I know absolutely uh,
2: listen if nothing else a job well done by Cork City Fire Service thank you Victor appreciate you taking the call take care of yourself thank you Neil back thank after you. the break text 0868104106 might have a historical perspective on this uh, briefly after the break
3: call Neil now 0818104106
0: the Neil Brenderville show on Red F
2: them. Joined by the Cork historian um, Liam Higgin, our, our, our knowledge of it is, is, is quite limited. I wonder if, if, if uh, Liam has anything to add to it. Liam, good morning. Good morning. So we know we know seven, seventeen seventeen was the date of the building opening. Being built took five six years to build. What have you got for me? A
3: little bit just. Daniel, you heard of Daniel MacLeese, painter, the The famous painter. From Very famous. So it was... Oh, thank yeah, you.
2: Yeah. I didn't know. I know he was born in Cork uh, around about 1806, but was it Shear Street he was born?
3: Shear Street. Well, his mother actually worked in the Unitarian Church. She was a pew opener. What's that, that mean? was a door at the, the end of the line of seats, you know? A pew the, the, the opener? A pew opener, P-E-W. She would open the pews oh,
2: for the congregation... To to exactly. sit
3: in, correct. You can imagine the gentry, I suppose that time. Totally,
2: yeah, totally. You think they could yeah, open yeah, it for yeah. themselves? So, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So that was Daniel McAleese's mother's job to op- She was a pew opener in the Unitarian Church in Pincel Street
2: Would it, that's all I you know. Well, but no, <laughs> hang on. But wait a second. Could it? Could, let me ask. Could it have been the old oldest church, or are they older? Do you think in Cork? It's the oldest church. It's the oldest religious church in the city. Uh, today uh, that the oldest in the city. Seventeen seventeen, it would be hard to beat. South Chapel wouldn't beat it, no, it wouldn't oh, yeah.
6: it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you ever were is, ever inside yes. it? You, you must have been
3: inside it. I, I was I was, what was it? you know, I it went after being to damaged there a couple of years back and we went in and had a look around. And um to the mind you ever seen it out there? I was in um in the South Terrace? Yeah. Yeah. It was back in the area, you know?
2: Yeah. It was like I stepping it down. was like stepping back in time and going walking in there. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Jim, Jimmy Crowley Jimmy Crowley actually is due to do a gig there, which is which is sad. So that one's obviously cancelled, I suppose. we so will have to play somewhere else. It's devastating. Yeah. Awful it's a sad
3: loss to the city though, Liam. Well, it's a, a historical building, there's no doubt about that. And it hasn't radio somebody well I know very little about it, know that thing about Lee's mother. And um to be a place for some historian to do some kind of a show on it. A bit of a deep dive in some... it. Fair play. Yeah, yeah, fair
13: play. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, All right, my man, as Absolutely. always, thanks for picking up the phone. Appreciate it. You answered my question. My uh, Daniel McAleese, mother of Pew Opener at the church, and McAleese himself, born in Shear Street. He was uh, the son of a cobbler uh, and then uh, also worked as a tailor. Uh, on Patrick Street um, I think Daniel McAleese went to the very very early days of what would have been the Cork School of Art now he legged it this is just my own knowledge of McAleese his paintings are just off the charts gorgeous he did one particular one that I'll never forget which is a painting of the marriage of Strongbow and Aoife uh, even if you were to Google that and take a look at it if it's on your phone or your laptop the detail in that painting would blow your mind uh, the marriage of uh, Strongbow and Aoife but off he went to London as a young man to ply his trade and who does he team up with and becomes a, a good pal uh, and a party colleague of only the one and only uh, Charles Dickens back in the day so Macalise was big business uh, right across the UK and Europe he was much sought after as um, a landscape part, uh, painter an historic painter and also um, a painter of portraits and what have you and he was a fairly able dealer made big money not quite sure where he was born and kind of caught in the hop on that one sorry where he, where he died or you know, he died at the age of 70, so he would have he been, uh, what would that make him, about, about 64 years old. What have you got for me on this one?
8: Yeah, uh, but just very quickly, uh, Daniel McAleese died uh, April 25th, 1870, age 64 in Chelsea. He died of acute pneumonia. Um, his fo- his uh, house was number four, Shane Walk. Was he, buried? Is he sure, buried there? Um, that I'm just going to have a very quick look at. But what I was going to talk to you about actually originally, what I jumped in to say was the Unitarian Church kind of holds a very special place in my heart because when we were Teenagers and getting into the music scene and starting bands and trying to get gigs and insurance and nobody would have us. The Unitarian Church was the place. It's actually Unitarian Church is where I played my first ever light like, gig with uh, the band that I was And you with. know
2: something? That that was quite normal there because you yeah. could also put on an exhibition. I went to fab- some fabulous exhibitions there.
8: Yeah, and there was uh, Christmas markets there and, Christmas markets and there was and loads yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and I just, I just thought that like they were one of those... It was that and the... Um, Oh, I was going to say the Krushkin Krish- lawn is the one on Douglas Street. Those were the two yeah. places that yeah. used to always have us in. We used to organise Dave Callan, who then took over the Kino and tried to run kicks there. He kind of had us. And it was just like a space for us. They never kind of impinged on us or anything. It was always our space to use as we saw fit. We always looked after it. And like, I always just, that's my memory of yeah. the Unitarian Churches. And I never realised playing in it what history... We had, you know, I don't think when they started the building in 1717, they would have expected to have punk rock or, you know, like, like uh, what maybe was it, pits and walls. Maybe the Church would be thrown <laughs> open there. Maybe, I, I don't know,
2: Maureen down in West Cork will freak out if she hears me saying that. <laughs> All right, appreciate it. Thanks for that. Actually, I did find out, we just checked it there. He is actually buried, buried in London, McAleese um, himself born. In Shear Street, uh, died in London and buried in Kensal Green Cemetery uh, in London. Text zero eight six eight one zero four hundred six. Do you mind if I if I catch up after the break with uh, Chef Ryan, who won um, Gordon Ramsay's um, a big. It was that it's the twenty second um, show actually that he won, and it's amazing because I spoke to him last year when it was all over he knew that he had won um, um, Hell's Kitchen 22 but he couldn't tell me at the time uh, so he won it and it was announced over the weekend uh, born and reared on Leaside played his early trade as a, as a chef on Side. more on that after the break
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM Conversation that matters Chef Ryan, good morning
2: Good morning Neil, how are you? I'm absolutely blown away with your news You're you're some dark horse You know that winning uh, season 22 of Hell's Kitchen We chatted about the whole contest The back end of last year But you couldn't tell me the result You're some dark horse Being able to keep that under wraps for so long
10: Fair play to you thanks very much thanks very much yeah I mean look uh, the poker face was all, all about it you know what I mean I didn't want to give too much away you know mainly because obviously I knew the outcome but I just wanted everybody to enjoy it too as well with me um, oh, you know yeah. if I gave it away it would have ruined a lot for me plus you know i know owe Hell's Kitchen five million dollars too so I didn't want to <laughs> break my NDA either. <laughs>
2: I remember you were telling me that last year that you signed an NDA but in fairness to you I mean it's such a wonderful wonderful achievement to win a competition of such promise as that But you have to keep it secret from everybody. I mean, did your wife, Jen, know? Did your family know? Did close friends... Because it was in 2021.
10: Yeah, no, they all knew. I mean, like, there was NDAs given out to everybody that wanted to know. So, like, I mean, like, my wife, my family, my mother and dad, and... uh, close friends as well, like you know, I had them all sign NDAs so that we could talk about. It. Obviously, I had to tell my boss because I couldn't vanish off the face of the earth for seven weeks and then be like, oh yeah, I was just you know doing this, that, and the other. So um, there was a, there was a select few that knew, but they also had to sign NDAs you know, just in case anything was slipped, they'd be able to trace it back. But I think it's just kind of scare tactics to make it to make sure you don't spoil it for anybody else. You know what I mean? Because they put a lot of time and effort into it. What was the reaction like there and
2: indeed back here at home when the news was announced that you'd won it outright?
10: Oh, it was insane. I mean, my phone is still hopping. Like this happened on Thursday, like, and I still kind of use my phone every time I try to go onto something. It just freezes. And I mean, like, just the support I get from from everywhere across the world, you know, and back home is where it means the most to me. And I just can't believe that it's after you know hitting home to everybody and you know people sending me messages of good luck and you know congratulations. It's just, I mean, it's been phenomenal. I still don't know how I feel about it to be honest. I, you know, I'm back at work today now. Like, and you know, I'm still kind of on air, and it's like it's a mixed bag of emotions because it happened two years ago and it, like, to me it's not new but it's new to the rest of Ireland like, like, to get everybody else's reaction yeah, yeah, cause it's nice all of me so yeah, like yeah, yeah.
2: Was there, was I, can, there, I can enjoy it you was, know was there a big party I mean did family travel out from America over, out from Ireland to America
10: yeah there was yeah there was um, a load of friends came over my dad came over a couple of brothers um, a couple of aunts and uncles they, they were over and we, they threw a party for us in uh, Hell's Kitchen in Miami because he just opened one there recently in October so um, Johnny and Sammy the other two finalists they flew over from LA uh, with a couple of their friends and family and um, yeah we had a, we, had, we had quite the hooly. You now know we rented a room upstairs in Hell's Kitchen we watched it there food, drinks the whole lot and you know sure look we, we sang long into the early mornings you know but it was fantastic to have everybody there with yeah, us you know a right. um, couple yeah, of people right. couldn't make it you know, My mum my mom wasn't there at all it would have been great if she could have been there um, But I'll be coming home soon to celebrate with her So that's okay. the main thing. Okay,
2: I'll we'll talk about coming home in a moment But the prize itself, right, is quarter of a million dollars Not to be sniffed at Nice ball of cash And also, the ultimate prize also includes the possibility uh, Because I'm not sure whether you're going to take up the offer Head chef at Hell's Kitchen Caesars in Vegas Is that right?
10: That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, with that, you know, phenomenal lump of cash that, um, you know, I probably won't get to next year. So, if anybody's looking for a loan, call me next year, yeah? <laughs> but um, it's, um, it's uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's a phenomenal job and a phenomenal opportunity. And, you know, I'd love to go to take as much advantage as I possibly can. Regardless of what I do, I still want to stay within Gordon's wheelhouse. I mean, you know, that man, anything he touches is gold, and you'd be, you'd be a fool not to jump on the wagon, you know? So, I mean, i got one foot in the door at the moment, and fingers crossed now I can make bigger things happen this because this isn't the making of me and my career, this is just a stepping stone on the road to success for me, you know?
2: I was reading that uh, when there was down to about 10 chefs left, he called you into his office and he said something along the lines of the fact that he saw a lot of himself in you. What did he mean by that, do you think?
10: Um, I think, you know, like he, The way it happened is like We were inside in the room And obviously he doesn't want You know, certain things to make it to air So he has to say Look, young man Obviously there's cameras in here We're mic'd up He said, "But you know You know, no bullshit between me and you at the moment This is man to man He said, you know I don't say this to a lot of people uh, But you see, I see a lot of myself in you Especially when I was your age You know, when I was You know, wanted to go to America And I was working in all these restaurants And I wanted to travel He was like, you know You came out here You know, you, re- you reminded myself uh, You remind yourself of me And I would just, you know, I said, well, how how was that? And he said, look, you know, you're tenacious, you're, you're driven, you're passionate, and you know, he was just giving me compliments. But then at the end of it, then he said. You've got to make sure this doesn't go through your head now. He was like, stay away from the drama and make sure that you keep your head down. He said, because you've got the makings of a fantastic executive chef and I'd love to have your part of the team. Oh, okay. and so like, things like that you know, will, will stick with me. And that's the icing on, the, that's the icing on the top for me. You know so, what I mean, you've got I mean, to get
2: those- you be able to cook, right? Absolutely. and You've got to be a top class chef. But you've got to be able to handle the pressure in a kitchen scenario. And there must have been an awful lot of pressure within that series week after week as you saw the contestants fall by the wayside, was there?
10: Of course, I mean but like Any good chef There has to be a mad streak You have to be mad to do this You have to have a few screws loose To do this and to do it well You know what I mean And that's, that's the one thing as well That you, you kind of see When you're involved in a high pressure Situation in the kitchens You know, like If you can't handle that stress Or channel other ways To, to deal with it I mean, you're never going to survive Because, you know As Gordon said himself If you're good at it It's the best job in the world And if you're bad at it It's the worst job in the world So being able to deal with You know, kitchen situations And especially ones like that You have to have a mad streak You know, I'm just lucky enough To have that mad streak.
2: You know, it's it's about looking forward now as to what you plan on doing next because I did read that, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, that you were contemplating taking some time out or coming back home for a period of time or maybe even trying to set up something in Ireland. Talk to me about that a little bit.
10: Uh, yeah, no, no, no There's no taking time out now You know what I mean I have to strike while the iron's hot You know, you've got to put the foot down now And drive on and, you know Make the most of it while I'm uh, relevant I think I'll always be relevant um, But it's up to me to do the hard work now You know, uh, Hell's Kitchen gave me the opportunity To put myself out there I did, you know what I mean I, I may have made a fool of myself Or I may have not you know and, and for me, I put myself out there And it takes, um, you know I, what, How do I say it takes a lot of cojones To try and do that, you know So what I'm going to do next is You know, just capitalise on it all And, you know, you know, work hard Because the hard work starts no, really, I first came to America, I thought it was like, you know, life is starting now. And then the next chapter, life is starting now, like Hell's Kitchen winner season 22. That was when the hard work starts. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. fingers crossed, i will be able to come home soon uh, while it's still fresh in the system and celebrate with everybody back home. I think it's long overdue. And, you know, fingers crossed we can take it from there because, you know, the opportunities are going to come my way regardless of what happens. I just want to make sure that I'm able to capitalize. You're going to take
2: the Hell's Kitchen Caesars gig in Vegas then, are you?
10: Uh, oh well that's all up in the air I haven't been contacted by Hell's Kitchen just yet so I mean it's all up in the air I need to see where they're at and where I'm at and you know what's best for me and my family so I mean ob- absolutely I'd love to be still within his wheelhouse yeah. but again I can't speak of it just yet because I haven't been contacting them I think you know they're probably going to give me a week or two for it to, le- to let it sit with me and resonate and then we'll talk business but like, I'm in no rush to do anything I'm only 30 years of age I've got my whole career ahead absolutely. of me
2: Absolutely know? don't burn out absolutely you're right Jane, I'm told um, gave you cards for each week of the contest. Talk to me about that. What were the cards about?
10: <laughs> I tell you, there's nothing gets past you back home anyway. I told a couple of people about that. <laughs> No secrets back there Anyway, no, Jesus knew she was fast <laughs> So, yeah Every week she, was, she I, like, I packed my bag And when I got there I was unpacking my bag And she slipped in These five cards Into my bag And I had week one Week two Week three Week four And final I couldn't understand What they were like and, um, and then I texted her Because I was back At the room She said Look, you're more than Welcome to open them She said But I think it's better off That you don't open them Until, you know The first day of the week Every time you go on So, um, she, she was so confident That I was going to win That she'd written me cards For the first For the first day of each week And even for the finale You know Just telling me how great it was And you know Giving me the confidence And it was just phenomenal That she had so much confidence in me That I was going to do it that when I actually did make it to the final, she finished off the card by saying, "You know, I'm going to catch you. I'll see you later on, love. You know, I can't wait to see you in the final." It was just, it was insane that she had so much confidence that she wrote them by hand and like told me not to open them till a certain time. I mean, that's, you know, I didn't have that much confidence in myself, I and mean, I wouldn't be short of it. But you know, to me, that was just She's you know, got unbelievable, it in face,
2: man. She's a powerful, powerful woman. You also were saying that you would well, you would hope that this would inspire many young people um, to, I, I suppose, follow a dream, follow a passion. It mightn't necessarily be chefing, but anything that they'll feel that they would be good at. Is that right?
10: absolutely anything at all and like you know there, you're, I'd be the first one to say that you know I'd be spoofing if I said I wasn't you know short of confidence but like growing up I wasn't a confident young fellow whatsoever you know I wasn't great at sports I wasn't great I didn't have I wasn't great at anything you know what I mean and then when I found cooking you know I said I can have a stab at this and you know I got confidence along the way but my confidence came from being in the kitchen and if you're confident in the kitchen you'd be confident anywhere because it's very hard um, to get knocked out in the kitchen and yeah my message was really to use this as a platform just to tell people to get after it you know what I mean? And, you know, if it is cooking you want to do in hospitality and tourism, I highly recommend it because it's a very rewarding job. And especially the way that, you know, hospitality and tourism is at the moment, there's a, there's a struggle for, there's a shortage for chefs, you know, waiters, yeah. waitresses. You know, it's it's almost like, I don't want to say it's like a dying breed, but, you know, we need to get more people in the colleges, in the schools, and, you know, learn how to cook. And even if it isn't that, just get back yeah. into the kitchen and, and start cooking because it really is easy to, to get into it. And it doesn't matter what it is, as long as you love it and as long as you, you show up every day, do your best and look smart I mean you're going to get better at whatever it is um, and that's he, just the one thing that I wanted to take look so at.
2: So when your pals were all playing soccer you were probably watching Ramsey on television where your other famous chefs that and hoping it exactly, to emulate them
10: that's it, or else so I was just sitting left back on the bench, you know what I mean? Or everyone else was having a hoolie and I was kind of thinking then, like, you know, cooking is something that I could get into. I was always interested in it, obviously, from the previous conversation we had. Yeah. Um, But it was just, you know, working for chefs, like, you know, Jerry Allen out in the Maryborough Hotel. He was a tough chef, and like, you know, he took me under his wing a little bit, and, you know, taught me a lot, and then I had, you know, Brendan Brosnan in there the as well, River and Paul Lee. Lane, and yeah. all, all, all these big lads, you know what I mean, that I looked up to, that actually would pull you aside and say... you you could be good at this lad if you stick at this and it's just all he needed was that little words of encouragement and that's what I want to do with this is just give people a little nudge they are seriously
2: singing your praises at the MTU they're so proud of you you're probably aware of that
10: yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know what I mean, and and and, and so they should. You know, it's um like I said to the to one of the lads yesterday, it doesn't matter if it's MMA or if it's soccer. But you know, no, it's cooking. You know, someone leaves, someone does well back home, leaves and becomes, you know, yeah. somewhat successful in that field. You know, I should push other people on to go do it. So look, you know, absolutely, they should milk it. Why not? You know, I because heard I never once thinking, forgot my roots, and I don't are, plan on that.
2: Well, you haven't forgotten your roots, and you don't plan on doing it because somebody was saying that you were thinking of doing a series of pop ups around Ireland in Galway or here yeah. in Cor- Park, for instance, and also, yeah, were you thinking I'd, of doing? A, to. Were you thinking of a TV series? Was there the one of the runner-ups
10: you got close to? Wasn't it Chef Johnny? Yeah, Johnny, good buddy of mine. Though I mean, like we were, we were the whole package when it comes to you know, as far as um, you know, talking about you know c- uh, contestants and competition settings and the tension. Like everybody wants to be cutthroat, and obviously it's your opponent. But we never once thought that we were against each other. We just wanted each other to succeed, um, and I think it should be like that in a kitchen setting. Now, obviously competitions are different, but you want to drag everybody open. Cause all both rise together at the end of the day, yeah. and you know if I succeed, he succeeds, and you know we can always drive each other around. And it's good to have that camaraderie in the kitchen because you you need that to work. You know what I mean? You need to have camaraderie in the kitchen because it's a tough place um, to be. So I mean, yeah, I'd love to come back and do a couple of pop ups. Anybody wants to jump on and do stuff, I'm open to it. I want to come back and do some dinners in hotels. You know, maybe I'll go back and do something with Pauline, you know, once or twice. And you know, just <laughs> just go back and give back. You know, so I mean, that's I, I'm open to everything, and you know, I mean, the future's bright for me. So we'll see what. Uh, man,
3: where you get
2: all the energy from sadly at home though the news isn't great within the whole restaurant industry there are more and more closing every single week as you're probably aware I know uh, for a load, I know for yeah a load that's what saddens me yeah for a load of different reasons I I mean why do you think so
10: many are shutting any ideas look I mean I can't really put my finger on it because I'm not there and I don't want to speak on behalf of you know the hospitality back home because it's completely different out here but it's a lot got to do with the, the footfall you know the people going out the prices of produce the prices of <laughs> Fish and meat, like everything's going through the roof. Mm. And if you raise the prices of food and then you don't raise the prices of the menu, people are going out. You're not getting their bang for the buck. You're, the, the margins are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the staff aren't getting paid like they should. I mean, I think, you know, anybody in the hospitality, I think it'd be a great idea to, you know, almost do a tipping system as well back home and, you know, implement oh, it no. into bills and stuff like that so people get paid more and, you know, give stuff back to the kitchen because, you know, I think the hospitality and tourism industry, I'll always say it, is one of the toughest and people don't get paid enough for it.
2: Well, you're up at the top of the tree man and I think you're continuing to climb I want to wish you all of the success in the world congratulations on a fabulous win Um, I'm just amazed that you managed to keep it under wraps as well as you did listen good luck to you and whatever next move is we'll keep a close eye on you All right? sounds good Neil thanks very much Um, good luck to you and regards to everybody at the Mirasol Country Club in Miami what's on the menu today
10: there's not much on the menu today I know today's a prep day for us we're getting ready for the big week ahead so um, you know if you want to come by next time hopefully we'll do a bit of bodice and cabbage for the (laughs) membership
2: (laughs) you never lost your cork fair play to you chef. lovely chatting with you congratulations well done
10: thanks very much bye bye
0: the Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.
2: Chef Ryan, I love his line actually, show up every day and work hard. Isn't that the mantra? Show up every day and work hard. I saw a very interesting interview there recently with Gary Oldman, the actor. I don't know if you've seen the couple of series of Slow Horses that are available to download and watch. It's just, there. it's incredible television. And he's the central star in it. He also said, he was asked, you know, what advice would you give to young actors and whatever. He says um, similar um, to what um, Chef Ryan is saying in know um arrive on time or early and know your lines simple as arrive on time or early and know your lines and everything else will follow um uh, out of time guys we're going to love you and leave you with the last words to the lord mayor of cork and the local historian uh, councillor kieran mccarthy on the devastating loss of a very important historical core business um sorry building i should say uh, which yeah. went up in flames yesterday morning on princess street lord mayor good morning
16: Hi Neil, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, no, that's it's quite sad actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the oldest buildings in the city, uh, seventeen seventeen and Probably the... marker of its time as well.
2: Yeah, what would just tell us a little bit about what would Cork have been like in, in say seventeen seventeen and the early seventeen hundreds, virtue of size and, and, and commerce and trade and what have you?
16: Uh, we are probably talking, you know, we say, if I go back to late 1600s, the town walls around Main Street and Main Street were still in place. And then there was marshland on either side. One marshland was called the Western Marshes and then the other marshland was called the Eastern Marshes. And then the, the town wall was attacked in 1690. There was a siege of Cork. And was, the merchants of the town took the town walls down. And then between Huguenots, Quakers, and kind of merchants with a lot of money, they began to develop the Western and Eastern Marshes. So on the Eastern Marshes, um, a group of dissenting presbyterians kind of set up in 1717 the church I suppose that had been burnt down um, yes the interior I think has been severely damaged um, yesterday and then you also next to that then you actually had a playhouse and um, so actually Princess Street was really called Playhouse Lane so the, I there one of the first theatres that the, I call the emerging 18th century was kind of in, around the uh, on the Playhouse Lane population might probably 20,000 people um, 1700 and then by 1750 or 75,000 people so the population was growing quite rapidly and needed more space for housing and bridges and canals, and it's a really interesting time though. we've got loads of old maps as well all that kind So of when
2: the Utenet, Utenet uh, Unitarian Church moved there from Dunscombe Marsh I think, and built it was one of the first buildings that would have been erected outside of the old city walls and been surrounded still yeah. by maybe many canals like Venice
16: yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought you mentioned the thing called Doonescombe's Like right? Doonescombe were a Quaker family so they probably would have owned what's now the intersection of Oliver Plunkett Street and Grand Parade. So with the car park is there on the Grand Parade, the queue park on the Grand Parade. Um... Sort of opposite kind of Bishop Lucy Park area. I and mean, there would have been a bridge going from the old medieval town kind of onto Oliver Plunkett Street. So we know Oliver Plunkett Street was laid out in 1715 and it was called Georgia Street. And then all these, I think those are what I call marker buildings began to spring up around the Eastern marsh. And so yeah, you had the. This Presbyterian church, and we had the playhouse, um, and as well as that, then was actually an independent chapel actually nearby as well. If you ever go down Oliver Plunkett Street, there's this old pawn shop, Euro shop store, yeah. and actually behind the frontage, um, yeah, kind there. of it's kind of built on to the English Market. There's an old 1720s building there as well, and then on the other side, then perhaps would have been a canal, and then in the you had things like French Church Street developed by the like Huguenots under the St. Paul's Church 1720s Custom House 1720s so like you're talking this this building from a time when there was this, this rapid building and expansion that people needed more houses and the population was expanding at a rapid rate so it comes from a really interesting time in kind of Cox. Um, Cork's past and even from a military perspective like you're talking many Huguenots um, French refugees uh, French Protestant refugees from the Catholic France kind of ended up in Cork and involved in silver, silver making and kind of sale plot factories and um, yeah it's a really interesting time the, the, the
2: only positive I can draw from this is that the actual building itself has been saved but the interior has been, been lost at least at least the building itself and the structure is safe right?
16: Yeah, yeah, and what's interesting, like you've the interior, like it has changed a lot over the years. I and mean, there was what I call a, a, a first balcony to it, and that has been kind of taken away. And the interior has been very much modernised. And um, but the exterior, I mean, when you see the the, the the stonework in particular on the on, on the back of the building, so it's all a mixture of sandstone and limestone. I think like they just dug up the local area around there. And they went to the hills around Shandon and just took stone and created this chapel. And like it's really, really interesting just to see how they kind of just. Basically, put it together. Um, it's kind of random rubble masonry, just bits and pieces of stone, mm. and I don't think that they actually could actually find. Yeah. No, it's just uh, we, we don't have that much eighteenth century, early eighteenth century stock of buildings left in Cork. There loads from like late 18th century along Oliver Plunkett Street and once that building went up then it kind of encouraged other people to to build around it and I suppose more of the streets of what we know as Prince Street came into being late in the 1700s 1788 the English market um, and then almost this building kind of it encouraged other people to, to build yes,
2: it. Yes it is building they Africa. shall come and then others shall build around it that's very true yeah. that's a good point. I, I, yeah, I hope that I,
16: I, I, built in a swamp as well
2: I hope that they get any support that's necessary from all quarters because yeah, um, yeah. it's a very important yeah, building yeah, yeah. Uh, thang- and thankfully as well yeah. no injuries and no loss of life and that's the main oh, thing as yeah. well yeah yeah
16: and Michael Sullivan does and his team do a fantastic job like I was in there before Christmas having a walk around just having a look at the space and I know they have they've have ongoing plans to make sure the history and the story is told and as not just the stories in the early Early 1700s, there's loads no more to tell as well. As the 1800s and so on. It, it's a really, really good space. It's okay. an oasis in the city. I find as well. Um,
2: yeah. Thanks so much for your contribution this morning, Lord Mayor. Have a good day, Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. Also a very proud Corkman, wonderful Cork historian. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868 104 106, and also email Neil at redfm.ie. Share your thoughts and whatever the case may be going on in your mind by text to 0868 104 106. But most importantly, good day enjoy the days and weather and i'll see you tomorrow when
0: court talks car people blow my mind
3: they talk to neil Prendeville
0: on red fm